For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Ten past nine on this Thursday morning, the uh, last day of August, and it's Mick Mulcahy in for Neil Prendival for the next couple of weeks in a bit. Um, and uh, let's get straight down to the business of the programme and the morning papers. We need more Gardaí, uh, screams the headline on the Echo Front page today. Businesses are sharing policing concerns, as Donald O'Keefe reports, that Cork needs to see more Gardaí on the streets. Uh, business leaders told Justice Minister Helen McEntee, who was in town yesterday. Miss McEntee met, uh, met with prominent people from the city's business community during her visit to Cork, all of whom stressed the need for a greater Garda presence. The minister said her own number one priority was increasing the levels of Garda on the beat and options such as increasing the age at which uh, people can enter and retire from the force were being discussed. No matter who I speak to, whether it's the Gardaí, local community groups, businesses, and it's my own view personally, she said, we need more Gardaí on the beat. The toddlers among tragic crash victims as it's been a terrible week uh, on the roads and a very poignant picture of a thumbs up from Tom O'Reilly, all of his life ahead of him and now sadly no longer with us. Three-year-olds, there's two of them actually, there's another one, uh, Rosaline McDonough, of course, uh, also died and there are two pictures uh, are on the front of the mail today. And it's so sad to look at them. Um, one smiling, uh, one just giving that resolute thumbs up, but uh, two three-year-olds have died in separate road accidents as the year of carnage worsens. Uh, in the space of 24 hours, what is becoming a year of carnage on the Irish roads became much worse. Three-year-old Rosaline McDonough died after she was knocked down in Port Leash yesterday afternoon. And in the second tragedy to hit Tipperary in the space of a week, Tom O'Reilly, also aged just three, died alongside his grandparents in a crash in Cashel on Tuesday night. Stop the carnage, also says the Mirror's front page. Five people were killed in road crashes in just 24 hours. Two young children among the victims. And uh, they go on to detail pretty much the same story as tributes poured in for Todd Rosaline McDonough. Uh, three years of age, who was knocked down and killed playing their home at Port Leash. Uh, Tom's parents, uh, by the way, Tom died, grandparents died. Tom's parents were also injured in the smash. That's the mirror front page. Uh, all of the papers today are uh, talking about the fact that we need more TDs. Uh, the taxpayer, however, is to foot the bill for the uh, 14 extra Deputies. Voters will elect 14 more TDs in the next Doyle, bringing representation in Leinster House to its highest ever, with 174 TDs in total. Now, why do we need them? Well, it's because of the Constitution. The Constitution decrees that for every, uh, and that's, uh, it's counted by the census, uh, for every set of people, um, there needs to be one TD. Uh, and of course, with the growing numbers in our population, the extra cost will be borne by the taxpayer. Uh, it's going to be considerable because a TD salary runs at 107,376, but you could say the real cost to the voter is somewhere around 200,000 euro per TD. That means the uh, extension of the electoral roll will cost in the region of an extra 3 million a year to feather the nests of another 14 national politicians. They're broadly welcoming uh, the Electoral Commission's uh, releasing of the new uh, constituencies yesterday. Uh, Why wouldn't they? Sure, wouldn't it be like a turkey voting for Christmas if they didn't? Uh, And don't think they're ever going to go to referendum on this one to change the Constitution, because I think they know in the heart of the people 
the vote will be something along the lines of the last thing we need is more politicians. But more we are getting. And that's making all of the uh, morning papers today. Uh, the city constituencies, by the way, are said to become five-seaters, says the... Uh, the echo today. Cork City politicians gave a broad initial welcome with some reservations to the constituency changes recommended by the Electoral Commission yesterday as the two Leaside constituencies gain a TD each. Under the Commission's report recommendations, the Doyle would gain an additional 14 TDs nationally uh, and both Cork Central, North Central and South Central would become five-seat constituencies. And uh, they broadly welcome that. But the one thing they won't welcome is the increase in the number of three-seaters because three-seaters will tend to favour the bigger parties, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and uh, Sinn Féin. But that's all over the papers this morning as well. By the way, that increases when you're talking about political decisions. We'll be facing higher costs uh, for fuel, for hospitality and for hairdressers from midnight tonight. The lower 9% VAT rate comes to an end, increasing to 13.5% from midnight and I'm sure that's going to close uh, some hospitality operations already uh, to the pin of their collar but excise duty on fuel will also increase meaning petrol is going to cost an extra 7 cent per litre from midnight and diesel 5 cent more. Very busy in the filling stations this morning and I hadn't realised that that increase was coming and uh, asked and said how come you're so busy? Everyone's topping up before the excise duty comes on at midnight. So petrol's going to be an extra seven cent a litre from tonight and diesel five cent more. Get ahead of it if you can and if you wish. You'd wonder what you'd save though if you're uh, if you're filling up your tank with 30 litres you're saving two euro. Many will do so. Uh, the independent front page has dysfunctional and unsafe new report lays bare crisis in mental health centre. A series of reports showing the extent of the crisis that's been unfolding in some child and adolescent mental health services, uh, CAMHS or COVs nationwide. Check that out, independent front page. Let's go to the examiner front page. Uh, not the main story, but an interesting one there. A 50-day wait for suicidal children in Cork and Kerry. Liz Dunphy reporting that suicidal children are waiting more than 50 days on average to be seen by mental health services in Cork and Kerry. And the majority of psychiatry in South Kerry is conducted from Doha, a re- from Doha, a report into the child and adolescent mental health services has found. Nationally, there were 4,451 children and teenagers waiting for COVs, uh, according to uh, today's Mental Health Commission report. Acute understaffing is leaving vulnerable children languishing on waiting lists of up to three years as they are passed between mental health services, acutely understaffed disability services and primary care. To the sun, uh, tinkling in boy's tummy, a sick lad guzzled five, wait for it, steel marbles. A toddler had five magnetic balls surgically removed from his small intestine after doctors heard a tinkling sound coming from his tummy. The two-year-old boy had been brought to Cork University Hospital's emergency department suffering from abdominal pain, vomiting and dehydration. He'd not had a bowel movement in three days and was not passing any wind. The doctors initially suspected gastroenteritis but sent him for an X-ray and CT scan of his abdomen after hearing the tinkling sounds according to a case report published uh, in the latest issue of the Irish Medical Journal. The scan revealed a metallic spiral-shaped object which caused bowel obstruction 
and the boy underwent an emergency exploration laparotomy uh, in which five magnetic balls were removed along with a four centimetre section of his small intestine. Very serious um, issue, I guess, when uh, uh, the intestines get blocked like that. But the report from the hospital's paediatric department and uh, University College Cork said the case demonstrated ingestion of a foreign body should always be considered in such uh, situations. It's what... uh, Parents are looking out for all the time as toddlers become more exploratory and they start crawling and getting into things and um, what they can pick up and swallow is always on parents' minds. There's a painful cost, uh, uh, painful rise in the cost of health insurance. In a related story to the health service, health insurance costs are going to soar within weeks. Some customers taking a second financial hit in months. It was announced yesterday. It's been claimed the price hikes will cost policyholders hundreds of euro extra in payments, Leia Healthcare said the cost of its policies will climb by an average of 3% to add €42 Euro to most annual bills. VHI yesterday announced it will increase its premiums by an average of 7% from the 1st of October. A spokesman said the rise is driven by a significant increase in demand for healthcare following years of COVID-19 related disruption. There's always something to blame, isn't there? Cork's Wild West joyriding scene must end, uh, says the Cork Independent. Michael Olney reporting a culture of competitive joyriding in Cork City as being helped by lawless social media platforms as Leaside car theft numbers have rapidly risen post-COVID. The Kissgate perv claims video will save them. Suspended Spanish FA President uh, Luis Rubiales was last night hoping a new video clip will clear him of his alleged sexual assault kiss with World Cup winner Jenny Hermoso. Rubiales, who may face prosecution, reportedly sent the footage in which Spain's Hermioso laughs and jokes about the incident to football governing body FIFA. A source said, This video was gold dust for Rubiales. All along we have said uh, for Jenny to tell the truth, but there was no sexual assault. And the speculation around it continues, of course, uh, as well as the discourse. Running scared on daily exercise. One in ten people quit running because they don't feel safe, a study has revealed. A quarter of women and 21% of men have experienced verbal or physical harassment while out exercising. And while 10% have given up completely, a further 17% of men and 39% of women changed their routine as a result. Uh, Telling big whoppers... Burger King have been sued over product sizes. The advert shows uh, one uh, towering stack of a burger. The reality uh, is one tomato slice and a sliver of lettuce, says the Irish Independent. More bun than burger, whereas in the advert it's lots more burger and goodies than there is bun. Uh, Linda, Linda Chanter Hicks reporting that a US judge has rejected Burger King's attempt to dismiss a lawsuit claiming it cheated hungry customers by making its Whopper sandwich appear larger than it actually is. The fast food giant must defend against a claim that its depiction of Whoppers uh, on in-store menu boards misled reasonable customers amounting to a breach of contract, says Judge Roy Altman in Miami. Customers in the proposed class action accuse Burger King of portraying burgers with ingredients that overflow over the bun, making it appear the burgers are 35% larger and contain more than double the meat. Uh, as the chain serves. Burger King, a unit of Restaurant Brands International, countered that it was not required to deliver burgers that look exactly like the picture, but the judge said it was up to jurors to tell us what reasonable people think. That's an interesting one. Mission to raise Titanic's radio from the Atlantic seabed is another story. And uh, 
we have a, a very interesting take now. Shortly before midnight on April 14th, 1912, the captain of the Boris Titanic stuck his head into the radio room to tell the operators the ship had struck an iceberg and they should transmit a call for assistance. Send SOS, which was the uh, uh, the new emergency signal there uh, on the Morse code, three dots, three dashes and three dots. Um, the operator said to his colleague Jack Phillips, uh, it's the new call and it may be your last chance to send it. And now that particular radio uh, is possibly going to be raised from the seafloor. Go up to Monto if you're offended by a sing-song. Cancelling off-colour ditties is dangerous, says the front page of the Star today. Uh, and uh, this is... Uh, I suppose part of the woke culture and everything that's been cancelled. It was Blur versus Oasis, by the way, uh, in the Irish trad scene, a culture uh, not above having the odd split. Um, you can uh, read about that in the Star today as we grapple with what Irish music revival meant during the punk years. We realised you could be either be in the Dubliners camp or the Wolftones. Both had a, uh, a twinkle in the eye and a pint in their hand. Too long to read, but a very interesting article there. I have a couple more uh, we found in the papers this morning. A Russian analyst has claimed that uh, Wagner warlord Prigozhin is, is still alive. This is very interesting. A Russian political analyst has claimed Wagner chief Yevgeny Prigozhin is still alive and alleges his body double was killed in last week's plane crash and not the warlord himself. Uh, Valery Sol- Solyevev a former professor at Moscow's Institute of International Relations claimed Prigozhin cheated an assassination bid sanctioned by Russian pre- President Vladimir Putin and is now plotting his revenge. First, the plane uh, was supposed to fly, uh, he was supposed to fly and was downed by a Russian air defense system. There was no explosion on board. It was down from the outside. The secret operation to carry out this strike was developed in Russia's Security Council and was sanctioned personally by the Russian president, he claimed. Prigozhin himself was not on board. His double was flying instead of him. By the way, uh, Vladimir Putin is perfectly aware of that. But the revenge, uh, interestingly, seems to uh, circle around the fact that Prigozhin apparently has access to 1.8 billion euro in funding, uh, predominantly in Bitcoin, it says, which he will use to finance his revenge. Uh, We look at that one with interest. Um, And apparently this uh, analyst said Prigozhin will surface alive and well before Christmas. Look at this one. There's a man jailed for tasering his girlfriend as a joke while she enjoyed a lion. Uh, This is in the UK. A man who tasered his hungover girlfriend to get her out of bed has been jailed for 22 months. His name is Kenneth MacDonald from Stirling in Scotland. He believed his partner of seven years, Stephanie Patton, was taking too long to get out of bed. Now, this is a Sunday. A Sunday lion after they had spent the previous night drinking together. Uh, he was insisting that she get up and she replied, five minutes, I'm rough. Then he wondered, get up or I'll tase are you. Uh, Miss Patton, 37, began to fall asleep again. He followed through with the threat. He had carried out the attack as a joke, his lawyer said, with the weapon which he had bought online. Uh, But he got jailed for 22 months. The incident captured uh, by an 11-year-old child on a phone and that video was used in court. The Neil Prendeville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. 25 past nine. Good morning to you from the Neil Prendeville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. Let's go to our phone lines. And Ricky O'Donovan is on line one. Morning to you, Ricky. Moment. How, how are you? I'm good. It's good to talk to you. Um, your your story is quite compelling. 
and and actually trying to learn again. A lot of people are getting hope from my videos, so to learn yeah. and just kind of focusing on that, you know. And just to bring people up to speed for for anyone who hasn't seen any of the videos. Um, first of all, you say you're not perfect, not by any means, but things can change, and you've changed things for yourself. Two years ago, Ricky, let's go back to that place. You'd given up hope completely. I had no hope whatsoever. Uh, I was sitting inside squats, you know. I had a lovely caring family at home, you know. I went not have seen my children in a number of years, you know. I thought there was no way out. I actually thought I was going to die in the streets, you know. Like, I lost most, all my friends, most of my friends, you know, and after losing them all to this addiction, then. I thought I was going up the same way, you know, my health wasn't so good. I was talking to myself. I was I was stuck in some juice like horses or crack or cane. And I thought I was I was hopeless, you know, I was skin and bone walking out. I was actually a dead person, you know. I was alive but my whole body was dead, mentally and physically. And, I was and crack cocaine was what caused it. Crack cocaine and heroin. It was actually heroin that bring me to my knees. I started heroin twelve years ago and I actually tried it in St. Patrick's in Jerusalem in Dublin. And I loved it. It just took me away from my whole self. You know, like I done every uh, drug like that you can get an eye or soils and I started off eleven years of age. But my addiction Sniffing petrol, were you? Yeah, I was sniffing petrol at eleven years of age. You know, like I kind of seen a lot of things as a child that a normal child wouldn't see. So and you, do, do you know the, there's a very much abused cliche called the slippery slope. Do you believe the slippery slope exists when you start at eleven? Done the slippery slope since I'm a young boy. I knew I was going to be in the gecko from a young age. I just want I didn't feel normal. So like I went the best in school. Like, I was in class, and there was talk to us inside the class, and I was the only one that had a help on my class, so I always felt different, and that I'd run out. Mm. And ever since I tried petrol, that sub- when that substance went into my body, it just took me away from my whole self, and loved what it done for me. And it just escalated, you know, I didn't think it was going to end up. The way I was go- I was going, you know, I was looking up to people doing it. What what you came know, next on, on on the substance abuse journey? Started off in petrol, and then hash, then drink, then speed, blow, and then I kind of escalated the tablets, drinking every day, cocaine, and like that wasn't doing it for me then no more. I had to go higher and higher. I turned into a chronic addict in the end. Is, is that what happens that it takes more and more to, to hit the, the height that you're looking for or you become a little bit immune to the, the substance of choice? Like I was constantly chasing that big arm better height. Like I thought I'd never ever do all of these drugs and I ended up doing it. Do you know I tried to talk to people today like this is where I'm going to end up and I don't do it. How, how did you fund it Ricky? Did you resort to crime? Yeah, I'm I'm actually causing trouble since I'm a young boy. I started bringing the girls to my front door seven years of age. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
Like I had a mother, I have a mother that does everything and anything for me. You know, it was just my mother around four of us and like I, I grew up in off out on my house so I had Norman to show me the guidance, you know, on the right right road. Yeah, but you you didn't just realise how good your mother was right now. You you must have realised that all the way through your journey and, and you know, had a certain I sense remember, of guilt about it. Like I remember my first sentence it was in 2005 in Town. I got two years and I remember I remember getting out you know for the weekends and my mum wouldn't take me back to Knocknaney she would rent the house in the yard because we used to get out for the weekend after a couple of months and she used to take me away to all these places so I wouldn't go home causing, causing trouble because I used to kind of hang around with all the fellas and I used to kind of look up to them Mm. And I like, I I loved getting into trouble. I loved courts, all of this, you know, because I thought that was the life. I'm the boy, but little did I know the places and arms and length that I bring me in the end. Yeah. How much time did you spend inside? And now, I'm totally one now, and after being out five, it was a six birthdays since I'm thirteen years of age. Mm-hmm. Constantly, it's like a revolving door. It kept bringing me back, bringing me back. But did, did it hold any fear for you going back inside, or was it somewhere you, you found at least I, you know, I won't have access to? Be honest, to... I had the best times of my life in prison, and that's a bad thing to say because I was so caught up. I had peace when I went in there. My family was at peace, and like that's a bad, that's a bad thing to. Uh, Mm. To say, well, it's, it's, it's the truth. So this is a leading kidding. question now, Ricky. Were you drug-free in prison? I don't know what. I, I was always on something, methadone. Don't know, even if I go in. So, like, I never kind of got a day clean. So you're on, you're on legally prescribed methadone to come down from, from the crack cocaine or heroin, particularly? No, it's for, it's for heroin, but it yeah. won't do nothing for crack cocaine. So, you know, like... Yeah. I was always on something. Okay, that's 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 the story of the Ricky that was, and of course, two years ago you were sitting in a in a in a Cork prison cell, wondering, "Is this it? You'd given up hope completely." What 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 was the lowest point, and what you know you know what they say when when you're playing Texas Hold'em poker, chip in a chair. If you've a chip in a chair, you're still in the game. What was your chip in a chair moment? When 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 did the the light bulb moment happen to say, "I got to change." I was after I was a, I was actually after borrowing my daughter, and like drugs came first before anyone, because they meant that much to me. I loved them that much, and like I just was sitting in the cell, you know, my health wasn't great, you know. I can I was actually talking talking to myself, you know. I was seeing people that weren't there. I thought my mother was actually sitting in the cell with me. And it was actually my cork use. And this was going on for a couple of months. And I can remember after coming around to myself, I never thought I would I'd come out of this. I remember sitting down in the cell and I goes to my a friend of mine, I'm going to change. And he looked at me, he goes, Ricky, look who you're talking to. And I goes, trust me, it's now or never. Like I was in treatment centers a number of times and I never wanted to be clean. I just used to do it to keep my mother happy. Yeah. 
but I knew, like, I didn't want to be strong out in heroin, but I still wanted to do everything else. Ricky, can, can, I, can I just say, it's, it's fabulous to talk to you. I think this is doing you good. You, you were a bit shaky and emotional at the start, but I, I, I think you're, you really are, you know, I think you really have come a long way. Would, would you mind holding on? I'm going to take a short break and, and we'll concentrate on the positives then. Because I'd, I'd, like yeah. I'd like to put a little gap between where you were and where you are as well. Uh, so I, yeah. I'll be back to you in less than two minutes, all right? Thanks, Ricky. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show. Back to our very riveting discussion with Ricky O'Donovan. Uh, Ricky, let's start looking at the positives, but let's we kind of have to start from a place of pain. You lost your little girl. She was still born. How, how, how much lower could you go? I couldn't go for no, and I was actually like, there was no law. That was kind of they say everything happens for a reason, and I believe that that was out to give me a wake up call. You know, like I actually done something, and I regret, and it was something along the way, and I was so desperate, you know. And I said, "Look, Ricky, after coming around to myself in the psychosis." I came round. I believe you have to hit rock bottom before before you do you do well, or else you're not going to do it. And I, I couldn't go any lower. You know, I was I was homeless. You know, my, I went out to see my children in a couple of years, and then I had a stillborn. And like I can remember, my mum used to come down to me to give me food or change of clothes, and uh, she used to ask me to come home. But I have to put I had to put down the substance and I wouldn't put down the substance so I chose to to stay out and like my mum used to stay in her car all night parked up on the side of the road what keeping an eye on me I used to be intense now and things like that and she used to be out keeping an eye on me but I kind of never noticed till I till I got clean you know. Yeah, I, I know that you you you, you mentioned that you, you had that kind of light bulb moment in in prison, was it? That, that um... yeah, I was actually after coming around to myself. I I didn't think I'd ever come around to myself. You know, and I can remember they called me to get out of out of prison, and I was just after kind of coming around to myself. And I had a hair a couple of months. Yeah, because you t- you thought your your prison cellmate was your mother, um, yeah. and you were in psychosis and and hallucinating. Uh, and and uh, reading your story, apparently one morning you woke up and you felt fine. I came around. And I I see. I see. I could see myself kind of getting a smile a bit on. Like, and I I was after kind of putting. The, I was on my my prescribed medicine and I went and kind of taking nothing else, and that was a kind of st- a stop for me. You know, I could say no. I was getting off all things, and I could say no, and. Mm. I could never say no. So the methadone was slowly bringing you down from the heroin dependency, and eventually will be weaned. You'll be weaned off the methadone as well. I actually was still on the methadone when I get no. I never wanted to come off methadone. All I wanted to do was go up and go up, chase the high, to keep me up all the time. And it's just that I said to myself, after kind of coming around to myself after a couple of months, I said I'm going to change. And he kind of looked at me, Ricky, you're not going to change, you know. Because yeah. that was my life. Everyone knew me as a junkie, a scumbag. You're on the paper this day for this time. You're after doing this and that. Everything. My whole life was actually negative. So how did, how did change begin? 
it's actually a change inside Car Prison. I felt the change when I got, they came along to me up in Car Prison and said, Ricky, you, it was actually on a Friday, you're out Monday morning. I said, no, I'm not getting out. <laughs> because why? I said, I'm refusing to get out. I said, I don't want to get out. My partner was actually in prison, so I was kind of getting back out and you know, I, I kind of had no and I had my mother over. I said, I want I want a treatment centre. I says, I don't want to get back out to the streets because I know, like, it was it happened so much. I know where, what I was going doing, even though I promised the moon and stars all the hours. I knew deep down, if I got out to the, the streets, I was going stress. Now, it used yeah. to be before when I got out, I used to go home and say hello to the family. But this time I used to go straight to the substance. Yeah, because you, you, were you feeling I'm I'm not strong enough yet, even if I have changed to be on the streets? No, I felt a small bit of change, but I wasn't enough to stay stay clean and sober. I wanted, I, I knew I had to go to the treatment centre. Mm-hmm. So the treatments began. Would, where, where did you go, and, and which one was best for you? I, I was I actually went to coal mine in Dublin when I when I got out. You know, a member. He's actually narcotics anonymous. He's a fellow that I used to use with. And he was always asking me, Ricky, get clean, come to meetings. But I wasn't ready. It's not over the years. And this time he came up. I was going for a couple of months and I was on my methadone. And I kept listening. And I went to treatment. And when I came off my methadone in the treatment centre in Dublin, that's that's when it started. You kind of saw some clarity, maybe. Yeah, I had all of these. I had these feelings coming over me, like my man. When I was in the treatment centre in Dublin, I actually went to my mother's wedding, and this wedding was put back for five times because I wasn't there. My ma- my mother wouldn't get married without me because I wasn't there and. She always says I will never get married if he went there. Isn't that the epitome of true love, huh? Yeah, it's not. It. Anyway, the, the news is good. You've had a tough eighteen months, but eighteen months is now behind you. Clean, yeah, you know, clean and sober, you know. I'm how do you feel now care. compared to how you felt back then? You know, I'm actually proud. I'm grateful. I could give you a list of grateful things I am today. Well, isn't that the new drug, Ricky? Isn't that your yeah. new addiction? Like, I don't be with no negative people in my life today. You know, all is, is people that's doing well. All like-minded people like me that's doing well. You know, getting up on a daily basis, not harming no one, no one after light, no one, no hurt, no robbing, because robbing was a big thing for me. Mm. And you have to stop one thing, and that was everything. And today, like, and after rebuilding my life, my whole life is this different. You know, and I'm actually working. Never worked a day in my life till till I got clean and sober. I have my children back. I'm a son. You know, I can walk in my front door. My mum has no worries. I can knock at my door. My mum could answer proud. She wouldn't have to think in this. And you must be proud of you. I'm proud, you know, I'm actually a dad that I wanted for in the years, because I often said when I grew up, I'd, I'm always going to be there for my kids, you know, because I grew up in the house. 
there was no father, and I, I always said, I'm not, I'm not going to be like that, and I'm going to be there for my children, but like, t- the children won't keep you clean. That's how much, like, you have to stay clean, and the rest then falls into play mm. and be there for them. Because you've, 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 moved from, you've moved from sel- selfish, I suppose, to selfless, in, in that you're now providing and you're proud. Uh, how, how, was, how was it making peace with, with those you hurt? Uh, you know, the closest to you and, and, and the wider circle no, of family like, and friends. When I, when I got clean, I, go, I, I tried to make amends. And my my mother, my, it was my mother that I hurt, it was kind of most. And my mum says, the amends is made, forget about it. All I ever wanted to do was to be clean and sober. But yeah, I thought I was going to bury my son. I'm getting mossed in the hair now, you know. Yeah, that's, that's the love your mum showed you, for you. You don't, you don't need to go in. I have my son back. Like, I thought you were going to die. And if you weren't going to die, she says, I thought you were going to be in your 40s till you got clean and forward, you know. Yeah. I, my mum was actually shocked that I did it. I shocked a lot of people. You know, a lot of people looked down on me. A lot of people didn't think I was going to make it because that was the life I lived for a long time. Why would anyone look down on you? Just they believe, no, 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 he'll never do it. Because that's how desperate and arms and lint I would have went mm. to get myself. And yeah. I didn't care how I hurt it. I was selfish. I was all about myself. You know, I was actually a bad person in addiction. But it's nothing like that today. Like, I'm completely like... It Ta- takes a good person to recognise that. It takes a brave person to... Come on the radio and, you know, cleanse their soul, as it were. Many people have taken to social media to to share their story. Um, And and I think their number one driving ambition is to help other people. But I think there's a common common denominator there with with, with people like yourself, Ricky. And and it's this. If I can get better, anybody can. Yeah, because that's how much hopeless we thought we were. And like I'm coming down the road, people that used to looked down on me for years asking me for help today Ricky how did you get clean mm-hmm. what do I do and I explained to him what you do and going like I'm going off experience how I got clean and I I was kind of one of the worst in Cork and that's that's not ego or nothing well what made what made you go to make videos and, and get up there on social media was you know, it just the feeling of helping I ask because you can't keep what you have unless you give it away. You can't do it by yourself. You need to reach out to people. To know you have to share your story. To know where you are at, because like most people, are thinking they're the worst and this and that. You know, and I put them up in a few texts, Ricky, and I passed out treatment centers numbers the same way I went. You know, but I said you have to do it yourself. No one can do a fire. Like people used to say to me, text me, Ricky, will you ring the treatment centre? I can't do it. You have to be willing to do it yourself. And you have to ring yourself. I can I, I can show you a guidance, but I can't, you have to help yourself. You have to put in the work yourself if you want to stay clean and sober. How, how much help do you get from the thanks of other people saying you help them? You know, like, I know, I know, I I wasn't doing videos for tanks or you're doing proud. I'm, uh, I was doing it to pass my message. It's all about the message. Like, 
where I was at, more like the other day I was inside town and I was walking on with my partner. She's actually in recovery as well. And a girl was sitting on the side of the road. She was actually begging. You know, a young girl, 20 years of age, heroin addict. I'm watching your TikToks. I'm actually going, I'm going to treatment because I'm watching your TikToks. You know, like I'm hopeless. I says, you're not hopeless. There's hope there. 18 months ago, I used to be sitting the same way where you were. You know, and mm. if you put in the work, you'll get everything that you wanted in life back. You know what I mean? I can walk down the road. You know, I don't have to have my head to the ground. I'm free. I'm free as a bird. You've paid no, your debt to society. The guards aren't out looking for you. Uh, you're not robbing anymore. You're helping other people. Actually, I, I, like a couple of months ago, I was up on a, a heroin charge, right? And I was actually in recovery. And there was about 10 guards inside the court. And the judge, the minute the judge seen me, he goes, Mr. Lundgren. And he was talking. Your parents says it all, you know, and mm. because that, that that charge would have been a hangover, if you like, from the from from the pre, yeah. from the from the previous life. Is it every every girl and the way out the door shook my hand and said, "Fair play, Do you have a different attitude towards the guards now as you would have had when you were using? So no, like I still have a bit of that. You know what I mean? A little bit of look, Dave, a job to do kind of mentality. But look. I don't bother them. They don't bother me because I'm not that person. You're not that person anymore. Do, do, um, do you recognise your journey's not over? In, in, in that? I actually, like, there was one girl that had it in for me since I'm a child, right? But I can understand why. You know what I mean? Because, look, that's the life I chose. And I used to have a different perspective. And I was actually done a chair in Table Lodge a couple of months ago. And this girl was actually sitting in the addiction uh, drug centre. Okay, let's... He kind of got all emotional when he seen me, and he got up, and he gave me a hug. And he goes, Ricky, look how times is after changing. That's an amazing story, but obviously we can't mention any names there. Your your journey continues, Ricky. It's not over, and and you need the mental application to stay on the road. It's not like a... My brother was in recovery. My mother's husband is in recovery. My partner's in recovery. You know, so like the help is all there. So I was kind of lucky enough that I had people asking me, "Come on, Ricky." You know, if you, if you didn't have someone like your mother who continued to love you to the nth degree as much as she did, and to show that by sitting in her car watching out for you uh, at night, if you didn't have all that love in your life, would you have made it? No. No. So you need you need that if if you're in a bad place, and then when you make the decision to change, like become... I was actually surprised my mum didn't give up on me. Yeah, because that's how bad I was, and well, she, she she would have done anything. But like, I loved drugs. I loved everything. Got to do with it. That's what I loved doing. That was me. I didn't get a kick out of going out kicking a football, playing sports, doing this and that when I was a young fella. I had to do all of these things what I loved and gave me the feeling. Yeah. So, oh, like, my mother, uh, I don't know if anything happened, if I, I wouldn't, I don't know. Well, if anything happened to her, God forbid now, the last thing she would want is for you to go back 
and I go backwards. You, I you, you, you need to use the love that she showed to, to like keep, keep that love respected like, and move forward. Is, is uh, uh, just a couple of more things to cover in times against me? Are um, are meetings the secret to success here? Yeah, keep your ass in the seat, you know. And <laughs> no, and then keep coming back. I heard this message and I thought it was a load of punani. Trust me, and I didn't think. Well, I kept listening to the message, and the penny dropped. You know, I go to meetings every single day. That's that's my medicine to keep me clean and sober today. Meetings are medicine. And if I that's don't a great go line. to meetings, like this, a day is addiction. Try to trick it and all, and you're useless. You no, know, I said, but all Ricky, just go back using one more thing. All of these little things that'll torture. Know what I mean? Ricky, to be, to be, get back before I go, a couple of messages that we need to pass on to you. I hope you can pass this on to Ricky. You're one of the lucky ones. I've lost two family members to heroin. You're lucky to be alive. And thank God you got your life together because it's your family ultimately who end up carrying the brunt of it. Fair play for getting your life together. Uh, morning, Mick. Just want to say, Ricky, wow. What a man. His bravery, courage and determination are an inspiration. And hopefully people will sit up and listen because we all know you don't need a disadvantaged or bad upbringing to end up like he did because of what he endured as a child and it's now an epidemic in this country. It's not just a rich man's game anymore. Ricky, I have to commend you, take my hat off to you. I'm very emotional here just listening to you. You should go to schools and colleges and deliver your message. God bless you, Ricky, and that you may stay healthy and clean. Uh, three more short ones, Ricky. Well done, Ricky. You should be so proud of yourself. Keep up the great work, says Fiona. Hello, Mick. I don't know Ricky. Never met him, but I'm very proud of him. Keep it up. And what an amazing, inspirational man turning his life around. If only one person listening to him this morning can take his story and add it to their life. He's my hero, says Magella. Nice comments uh, on what's been a very brave, soul-cleansing... Right. Like, you know, what's the big thing for me as well? Like, my partner, I'm actually going to be there, right? She's pregnant at the moment. And for me to be there, to see this child being born, yeah. I went there. I was I was actually in prison for the, my three other kids being born. And to see this baby actually coming into the world, all I ever wanted was a baby to be clean and sober. And I have it by... Four arms, and I'm telling you, if anyone, anyone is listening out there today, and you think taking drugs is cool, it's a life of misery. It ends worse and worse. You're going to end up wanting to die because that's all I wanted to die every single day. Ricky, I've got to go. Keep hold of what you have, and, oh, like, and, well, and like huge, massive respect no. to you uh, for for coming on and for everything you've you've told us. And we wish you every success no, in, in the future. It's amazing. I'm just trying to get my own place now. Will you keep in touch? Because you never know. Just, will, just keep in touch with the producers here and 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 keep us keep us abreast, abreast of your story. Thank, thanks a million, Ricky, and good morning. Now, for anyone affected oh. by our conversation, oh. thank you. Uh, thanks, Ricky. Cheers. Anyone affected by the conversation, please call the Samaritans on one one six one two three one one six one two three, and they will get you the help you need. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Honestly, I could have spoken to Ricky for another 30 minutes. He was inspirational, brilliant to talk to, and well done, and thanks again, Ricky. Uh, Mick was on about the full moon during the weather forecast. We can't see the sun, not to mention the blue moon. Here's one from yesterday. My daughter started as a junior infant today, all excited. I just had a call from the teaching assistant saying she has no lunch. 
and she's hungry and watching everyone eating. I didn't think for a second she'd need lunch. She's only in from half nine to twelve. I am so embarrassed. And uh, hi Mick, is the new VAT rate you mentioned on Friday for hairdressers as well, says Margaret? Yes, on hairdressers and on fuel. Uh, the VAT rate changes at midnight tonight from uh, 9% to 13.5%. Use a 10 with Lana's on the way. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And uh, a very serious interview we had with Ricky O'Donovan between uh, 9 o'clock and 10. Once again, texts are flowing in to commend him on his bravery and what he's trying to do to reach out to others and help them as well. And this is uh, not as serious an issue as drug addiction, of course, but has a serious import all the same. A more exploratory interview, though, with the president of the Cork Business Association and owner of Hurley Centra. Uh, good morning to you, Kevin Hurley, and welcome to the programme. Uh, hi, Mick. Good morning. How are you? Very good. I was told you're a very positive sort of guy. <laughs> I'd like to think so, Mick. You're I'd starting like off that so. way anyway. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we want to talk about the recent visit to Cork of uh, Justice Minister uh, Helen McEntee. Um, not just on her own, of course, but uh, there's always a big entourage uh, around a senior minister. Um she set out her stall. She was asked questions about uh, levels of policing. And, of course, from the Cork Business Association, you had your own representation to make to the Minister. Uh, yes, that's right, Mick. So, uh, Minister Helen McEntee came to Cork yesterday and she met with various different bodies around the city. She met with Cork Chamber, Cork Rape Crisis Centre and a few others. Uh, she had, I think she had a visit to the Garda station on Angus Street and in the middle of it all she met herself um, and it wasn't really that she was setting out her stall I think she came down to listen to the um, the issues that uh, the business community are having in Cork and we set out our stall to her and we gave her some uh, suggestions and proposals how things could change for Cork City and she listened, and she was actually a very amicable person, I would have to say. Um, and Simon Coveney was with her as well. And uh, it was a very, very positive interview. And you're saying I'm a positive person, but I think certainly that was a, a positive interview. Okay. So you're the president of the CBA. You and your executive had put forward a number of proposals to Miss McEntee. Uh, and you're, you're now hopeful this will result in a more visible Garda president. Well, I said she was setting out her stall. Of course, every senior minister is always being pitched. We need more of that uh, and more of that and more money for that. And, and, you know, they've got to defend against that in a little way. But it seems pretty obvious to me that increased Garda presence on Cork streets is beyond necessary at the moment. That's true, Mick. Um what we were asking um, the minister was that uh, we need more resources, we need more money for overtime um, for the Gardaí, that's the short term solution and uh, Dublin were given 10 million uh, euro for overtime so You're looking for two? In the scale of things we're asking for two million um, and I think she took that from a positive perspective and she's gone away back to possibly do her sums and whatever and hope, we'd be hoping that in the budget there would be. Um, I suppose from a medium term perspective we're looking for more things that uh, possibly are happening in, in Dublin and, and initiatives such as um, potential of private security being used. To, I'm sure you see it on the Lewis etc. You know, could private security be possibly used in certain certain situations in Cork? Um, and also a, a community safety partnership, which is all down to crime prevention and, and, and preventing crime from an early age in, within schools and communities, etc. And that's um, certainly something that 
would benefit uh, Cork in the medium term. So really, it's down to what we're asking. The short term is getting more uh, Gardaí on the streets, getting the Gardaí back on their bikes. You know, getting the, the new recruits through Templemore is probably more a medium-term thing. Getting the, the community safety partnership. And I suppose what, what we really said to, to the government parties that were there yesterday is that there's a general election in 2025, and if they want to create a legacy, now is a really ample opportunity for them to uh, show that they mean business. And if they get more Gardaí in the streets, I think they will definitely get more votes. And I'm definitely not affiliated to any political party. I was uh, just have to say that to you, Mick, before we go any further. But I just think that, you know, if they want to make a difference, now is the time. Cork City is, it's, uh, it's a beautiful city. You know, we all love it. But unfortunately, there is a bit of an antisocial element going on at the moment. And we feel that this is the way to do it. And it's more, I, 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 that expression that a lot of people hate, those, that expression that says more boots on the ground, that is the way it's going to work on the, in the short term. Yeah, whether they can be privately hired with all of the in, insurance implications there is another thing. Uh, I believe Cork's hiring a nighttime economy advisor uh, in terms of business, but nothing for security. It seems pretty obvious that uh, the later you go in, for instance, to a Saturday evening, the less safe and secure you feel. I, I know people who bus it into town from their local village uh, most Saturdays, and they have a, a pint in the Oval, maybe one in uh, Dennehy's on uh, on the Cole K and and bus it gone by eight thirty p.m. back home to the local. Um, I would say that Cork City Centre has a, an element uh, of that in the in the night time, but the feedback from the traders around the city and and indeed publicans etc. is that uh, the daytime is where there's a lot of the issues because that's the lack of Gardaí. There seems to be more Gardaí around in the evening time. Um, no. Granted, it's you know it's, the, it's natural. It's the time of day. It's the time that people are drunk and there's etc. And, and there could be you know fights or whatever at night time. But it's very much during the day that there seems to be a lot of the issues. And um, you know I, I would think that if we could get this nighttime uh, economic, economy task force together from a security brief perspective, um, like this person that you're talking about is going to be heard by Cork City Council. Um, what we're asking is that the Gardaí have a guy who, who or, 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 or a lady that comes in and um, is, is dealing with the, the nighttime issues that are that are going on. Yeah, now Minister McEntee did mention, of course, that if we could redeploy uh, Gardaí out of court, if there's four Gardaí in court for the day, that's what, eight, four, 32 hours of, yeah. of Garda policing that's going amissing because they're trying to, uh, you know, they have to contribute to the process of the courts. Uh, do you think that's a bit of a runner? Will it work? Well, this was actually something that we put to the minister yesterday and it's facts and figures that we've got from um, the Gardaí that, you know, if there's a case on in Angus Street that there's four, there could be up to four Gardaí dealing with the case and they could be inside in the courthouse for up to eight hours a day and as you said, eight fours or 32. If you had 32 manors out on the street, policing Patrick Street, Oliver Plunkett Street and the other streets around the city centre and North Main Street, etc. It would absolutely deal effectively with the, the antisocial behaviours that we're, we're having. So there's a legislation um, issue that she is dealing with, uh, which will hopefully try to free up some of the Gardaí uh, to get back out in the street. Because I would have to say, Mick, that these Gardaí that are inside in, a, in, in a, the courthouse in Anglesey Street, they don't want to be there. They don't want to be sitting there waiting to be called by a judge in relation to a case. 
they want to get out on the streets and, and they want to do their job. That's what they're paid to do. So, sorry, uh, I wanted to, I'm just lining up a, a piece by uh, Helen McEntee there on, on her COG visit. Uh, so stay with me, Kevin Hurley, if you will. Sure. But here's Justice Minister okay. Helen McEntee. Well, look, first and foremost, I'm here to listen um, to hear what people have to say, to see how I can provide further support and obviously working closely with the Gardaí who are already doing an amazing uh, amount of work on the ground. Um, the amount of overtime that is provided, uh, I mean, if you look at the budget for this year alone, we've provided 105 million. We will surpass that. So every part of the country will uh, have additional overtime and will be provided with that overtime and that will include Cork. But I go back to my previous point, this is about more Gardaí on the beat, on the ground um, and that is my number one priority. We've had a huge uh, amount of difficulties with Templemore being closed <coughs> throughout COVID uh, but we're now starting to see that steady flow of numbers coming through the college. We've had our first uh, new recruits come out in July. I'll be back again in October for an even larger number and I've no doubt that Cork as well as other counties will get their fair share uh, but I'm here to listen. Uh, I want to know what more I can do as my colleagues uh, are and obviously I'll take that with me after today's meeting. Okay, uh, once again joined by Kevin Hurley, President of the Cork Business Association. That was Justice Minister Helen McEntee. To be fair, I've always found her very able, very firm and very much in control of the portfolio. Would you agree? Absolutely, Nick. I think she's a very amicable person. And, you know, when we started the meeting yesterday, I said, you know, you were the ones that wanted to... uh, uh, meet us, so I'm throwing the floor over to you and she actually threw it straight back to me and said, no, I'm here to listen, tell, tell me what's going on, and she was very, very um, uh, amiable to, to speak to, so, you know definitely, she she means business and I hope that when the budget be it before the budget, on October the 10th or the 11th or whenever it is uh, be it on that day or be it before, that she will announce some kind of uh, extra resources for Gardaí and Cork and, you know, she was down here to listen to us and to listen to the other uh, organisations around the city. So it was a good day overall. OK, was technology mentioned at all? Uh, the fact that increased camera surveillance in the city centre, where you're able to identify perpetrators, may be a deterrent? Yeah, I mean, there was a question asked uh, in relation to the quality of the cameras in Cork City. And I've been over Tanksy Street myself, and I have to say they are very good. They are able to... Uh, to target the uh, the different uh, individuals that are uh, uh, causing the, the problems. And also there's a very good relationship between the business community and the Gardaí. So, for example, my own store, my own centre store in the Grand Parade, we 32 cameras there. Um, so if there's any other issues uh, on any of the streets outside, obviously there was the issue directly outside the door in June with that unfortunate uh, person that was killed. Uh, so, like the guard, would come in. You know, they take the, the CCTV footage, we give it to them, and you know, and it is it is good in that perspective. But I would have to say um, that the public cameras or whatever you want to call them um, around the city are, are very good quality as well. Okay, we're a city of a growing population that brings its own difficulties, um, I, I suppose. Uh, Simon Coveney was also there as part of. Uh, well, I won't say the entourage. He's a he's a peer. He's a colleague. Um, he described Cork as a well networked city with many groups already working. Uh, cohesively together. We're a small city with a big heart. Uh, so further supports we uh, can ensure uh, it continue. With further supports we can ensure it continues to be a great place to live, work, visit and socialise. That's the whole crux of it really. You need to live here. You need to work here. You need to make sure your visitors are safe here and you need to socialise here. That's the heart of any city really and you need to do all that safely. Well it's certainly the heart of Cork City Mick, because um, within the next 20 years you're going to have a huge development 
down in the Docklands and the model of the city is the 15-minute model, which everyone always talks about, where you can live, work and socialise within 15 minutes walk, cycle or public transport from the heart of the city centre. Um, and in order to do that, people need to feel safe. So I think that if all, if all these initiatives are uh, carried through, um, I think we will, like it, Cork City is a fantastic city and I've lived in other cities around the world and I'm sure you have as well and I would have to say that Cork City is a fabulous city and you know if we can if we can crack this nut then you know the small city with the big heart will, will certainly uh, happen you know. Well let's see if we get the two million and then let's see if we see that visible increase in Garda presence on the streets and on the beat. Uh, thanks Kevin Kevin Hurley okay. President thanks, of the Cork Business Association Good morning. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now 0818 104 106 Red FM Coming up on 25 past 10 on this Thursday morning August 31st last uh, meteorological day of summer in any case what summer says you here's an interesting one from the Irish Independent this morning Ryanair's lawyers want to quiz booking.com boss in US lawsuit as legal battle intensifies. Lawyers for Ryanair want to question the top brass at internet joint Booking Holdings, including CEO Glenn Fogel. It's escalating a major lawsuit filed by the airline against the group. Uh, now, they want Michael O'Leary to make himself available for deposition. His lawyers, of course, are saying he should not be forced to make himself available. Uh, Booking Holdings uh, urged a Delaware court in the U.S. earlier this month to instruct Michael O'Leary to make himself available for questioning court has yet to make its decision known on that matter. This is a long-running legal dispute. It was launched in 2020 by Ryanair against Booking Holdings and its subsidiaries. Now, if you use Booking.com and you may be tempted to go to their competitors, they also own Agoda, Priceline and Kayak. So uh, they're going to be competing against themselves there. You might make some marginal savings, I suppose. Uh, Ryanair has accused Booking Holdings and its subsidiaries, this is the crux of the matter, of screen scraping its fares. Screen scraping involves a third party uh, accessing an airline's website and often offering that airline's fares to its own customers via its own website. Sometimes when you log in and think you're in Ryanair, you're actually in a, a different website. Uh, I think the most common one in Ireland is eBookings. Uh, but you think you're in Ryanair and then suddenly you say, no, this isn't quite right. And then you realise, I'm not even in their website. Uh, in various cases against so-called screen scrapers, Ryanair has alleged that fares sold in this manner to customers are often priced far in excess of what they're available for directly from Ryanair's own website and that it makes it difficult for the carrier to ca- contact passengers booked on its flights, which you would imagine uh, is of, uh, of a safety concern anyway. Some texts uh, to the programme uh, from yesterday. Uh, if yesterday's contributor thinks staying at home and looking after their kids is so easy, along with keeping food on the table and a roof over their head, then fair play. But not everyone has that luxury. By suggesting that, you're looking at putting a whole sector out of business, and many parents... Uh, in a really difficult spot. The early years sector needs to be given the respect it deserves and the help it needs. In many people's eyes, it's still a glorified babysitting service, but it's not. There's planning, development, observations, curriculums and regulations to follow. 
People like your texture prove that there's still a long way to go in the sector. Uh, it needs help unless you want the sector to be dead in the water in the next five years because from someone who works in the centre, that's where it's going. On the tax increases, five cent and seven cent a litre is just crazy. It's all down to their excise duties. Same on alcohol and many more products. It needs to stop. Uh, some more texts from uh, this morning. Once people come into the country... The first step is to be vetted. If you break the law, you're deported straight away. Uh, they should be given their opportunity to work straight away. Uh, if working, they can pay for their accommodation. That's what happened when the Irish went to America, Australia and England in the 1840s. All three million of them for a better life for themselves and their families and running from a British government with uh, who couldn't care less, I suppose, at the time. Uh, the point is uh, people should not be put up in hotels or refugee centres for months and sometimes years getting free accommodation, three meals a day and 25 euros a week. Uh, just give the people opportunity. We are all human. Uh, now, one of those texts was on the topic of childcare, uh, basically saying if yesterday's contributor thinks staying at home and looking after kids uh, is um, easy, along with keeping food on the table and a roof over their head, then fair play. But not everyone has that luxury. And we're going to talk now to Sally, who's uh, on our WhatsApp line. Good morning to you, Sally. How are you? Hi, sorry. Good morning. I didn't didn't catch you at the start there. My fault. Um, You're not too happy, shall we say, charitably. No, I was um, quite upset when I heard some of the comments yesterday. um, Because, you know, in this day and age, it's not easy to raise a family, you know, provide a mortgage, provide a home, do everything, do it all. And, you know, most people that I know are have two working parents and it's not out of because you want to do it all or you want a luxury life. It's out of necessity. You know, I'd love to stay at home with my daughter. I would love to have that option. But unfortunately, I don't. And myself and my husband both work and we still can't afford a roof over our heads. And, you know, I was just saying that, like, I we actually have been living in a mobile home, which we bought ourselves three years ago, just before COVID, um, with the intent and the plan to, you know, save up by yeah, side, save. little by little. And, um, yeah, and then COVID hit and, you know, we were knocked back and everything. And we're still, you know, struggling and just trying our best. And I'd love to stay at home with my daughter, mm. but we didn't have, we couldn't afford childcare actually. And she's just started preschool. And thankfully that has allowed me to work more hours. Um, but obviously I'm not working for my health. I would, I would love to stay at home with her and raise her myself. But thankfully she's gone off to preschool now and that allows me to work. But, mm. you know, before that time, we, we didn't have the option for childcare. We couldn't afford it. And anybody that I know can afford it only affords it in order to get a mortgage. You yeah, know, I was just going to say, because if, if, if both of you are not working now, the chances of getting a mortgage are very slim. Exactly. Yeah, I know a lot of mothers who are working full time, their kids are in childcare full time and their entire working wage, the mother's working wage, is going to pay for childcare. So they're actually not coming out with any more money by having two incomes, but it's the only way that they'll get a mortgage approval. Yeah, because eventually uh, the bank will see that eventually the uh, the childcare costs will dissipate as they go into the mainstream yeah. schools or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it's really sad, isn't it? I mean, I come from an age when predominantly... Um, and I don't want to upset anybody now. Predominantly, the dad worked and uh, the mum yeah. stayed at home. Uh, and a, a working mother would be 
probably career driven rather than taking secretarial mm-hmm. work or whatever. She would be uh, if 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 maybe two or three mums from the kids in my class were working, it would have been as much. Yeah, no, when I grew up, my mom stayed at home until we were in school, but the, and then she worked full time again to mm. pay for the house and everything like that. But again, when I was growing up, a lot of the mums were at home. Um, but that's just that's just not a viable option for most families anymore, you know. Yeah, it's, well, it's a lovely yeah, idea. There's, there's, there's a lot of vi- visiting granny and granddad as well after school until I can pick you up sort of thing happened back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but again, people people don't automatically have that option. I know, like my daughter's grandparents actually all work full time as well, so yeah. we don't have that option either, you know, because they're still working. Yeah, I understand. Um, so you've been kind of killing yourselves. Are you working opposite shifts or working same time? Or um, we work opposite shifts. So um, my husband works weekends and evenings, and I work kind of mornings and midweek, so that there was always somebody at home with her. Um, now, thankfully, because she has got a place in preschool and she is able to go a couple of mornings a week, it's taken the pressure off us that I've been able to work a bit more and hopefully this will get us more on our feet. But um, again, I'm just hearing about all these childcare facilities closing down and we live in quite a rural area. And, you know, if we lost her place in preschool tomorrow, I've nowhere to send her. I wouldn't be able to work and we'd just be back to square one. You know, it's it's just, it's devastating. Yeah. You know, are you safe, just are you to safe do their on, the, on, on the site of the mobile home? You're, you're, you're able to stay there a while, yeah? Uh, no, not essentially, no. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, they did try to evict us during lockdown when I was seven months pregnant. But um, yeah, thankfully we were able to buy some time and okay. that time is slowly running out, but... Okay, I really feel for your position because it's it's two parents working opposite shifts. That that mm-hmm. has a definite impact on the quality of parenting that you can deliver compared to what you would love to deliver, doesn't it? Yeah, of course, because we're essentially anytime we have her, each of us is essentially a single parent because you you know you're trying to cook the dinners, do the washing, and all this while trying to mind a, a small child, you know. And then when you're not minding her, you're 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 working, you know. You there's no downtime. There's no date nights there's there's none of that you know you're just you're working you're surviving and you're just trying to do your absolute best so when I hear messages from other people in I suppose probably a different generation saying oh they just want it all and they want luxury homes and stay at home with your kids and so it's like I would love to do that you know that is not reality you know me and I know a lot of my friends of similar age, kind of mid thirties. Like you're you're killing yourself working Sally, just you, to provide for you, your kids. Sally, will you stay with us for a few minutes because uh, yeah, we've got a surprise visit from Kira Evans, and uh, thanks for coming in because right. you are a mom to Fia, and that's a lovely name. By the way, by the way, congratulations on the uh, on the new show. Thanks, Millie Mick. Uh, yeah, uh, taking over from twelve until four. So I guess we'll be uh, I'll be handing over every day to you. Anyway, you're a mom to Fia. And you're very much in a position of balancing work and raising a young girl. Yes, I am. How's it for you? And I can totally relate to a, a lot of what Sally said there. You know, uh, there is a lot of mom guilt out there and mom guilt needs to get in the bin because everybody is just doing their best. And whatever you choose for you and for your child, you know, there's no right or no wrong answer. There's no handbook with this. You just got to go with your instincts and do what's right. You know, I was a single mom for a really long time. Uh, I had to work really hard to get a home for us. Uh, 
um, I am now in the position my child is going into second class and this morning was the first proper morning I can say I can do the school run now you know so I, I was I got up extra early the school lunch was packed uh, her uniform was ready she's gone off she's well cared for I won't be there to pick her up but uh, two wonderful ladies Kim and Jenny who help with her uh, will be um, and I know she's in a great place and anybody wants to say because you're a working mom that you're you know not looking after your kids properly it isn't fair and, and that might be your decision and your choice uh, but you don't judge other people on what they're doing to provide for their children Would you agree Sally it's like a fingerprint it's different for everybody Yeah absolutely we're all just we're all just trying our absolute best and we're all just dealing with the hand we're dealt you know mm-hmm. well, Where do you go from here you've got to keep working to get any uh, any hope or semblance of hope of getting a mortgage uh, you're really now down to just one provider for the um, you know for, for your child and if that goes, you're in big, big trouble. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just hoping that everything will work out, that she stays in this really nice preschool and, you know, stays in this full-time education because it's the only way we have a chance. And then hopefully with her being in this full-time childcare every day now, we will be able to save up a bit more money and we'll, we'll be able to get back on our feet, you know. Okay, we wish you all the best with that. And uh, thank you very thank much. Thank you. Uh, for coming on on our WhatsApp line. Kira, uh, once again, congrats on the programme. It's called uh, Kira Revens on Red FM. It's on between 12 and 4. You're not going to make the school collection time, though, are you? No, I am not going to make the school collection time, and that's absolutely grand. Because Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be there in the mornings now. I which, think the mornings are more important, are they? Do you know what? It, it's whatever works for you, whether you're there. in the. Some people aren't there in the mornings or the afternoons, and that's okay, too. You know, uh, you, you, if you've got to go out and work, you know, you're providing, you know, putting food on the table, a roof over the head, paying the bills, um, and doing your best to make sure that they have a happy childhood and having to deal with any kind of parent guilt just just, just isn't right and nobody is, um, should be commenting on individual situations because you don't know what it's like until you live it. Well, I suppose the only guilty parents are the ones who should, you should feel guilty are, are those who are not doing their best. Absolutely. And that's very few and far between. Did you find it difficult as a single mom getting a mortgage? Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. It was a challenge. Uh, it was a, a long journey to getting to the point of, of turning a key in her own front door, um, but stuck at it. And, and that meant sacrifices, you know, um, maybe missing collections or, or a fantastic help from family and friends for getting her to her activities and things like that. Um, and it's it's all individual. As you say, you know, there's no fingerprint that is the same and you just have to do what's right yeah. for, for you in your situation. Because you're, you're the great multitasker. I worked with you on this programme where you're a producer. I've seen you on RTE TV. Uh, of course, you had the, your run on The Breakfast Show. You mustn't miss getting up that early in the morning, I would venture. <laughs> Half five is now a lion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah the, the quarter to five uh, alarms won't be missed. Best of luck, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's, it's, in, it's in good hands. I've worked on every facet of radio except the one you're doing. I've done drive time, I've done evenings, I've done mornings, I've done talk show. Uh, I've even done a couple of overnights. But I, I think the one you have is a lucky one because you, there's going to be a great work-life balance that you can achieve now, you know. I'm loving afternoons. It's absolutely fabulous. Uh, you know, the listeners that we have, um, people in on their lunch breaks, heading off on the school runs, getting bits done around the house, you know, driving along in the cars. It, it's just fantastic vibe. I'm absolutely having a gala so far. <laughs> so it's worked out. Everything's working out for you. But you do, of course, 
as a single mom and someone who struggled to get that key in the front door, you do feel for people in the struggle that's evident out there right now. And Mick, look, uh, you know, people post pictures on Instagram. I do loads of them and it's not always as they seem and that can put you under a fierce amount of pressure. Like nothing is, is picture perfect. You know, there's a lot of things going on behind the picture that you see and you can't, you know, it's, it's very easy to... W- put yourself up against somebody else and say you know oh look they've got it all right they've got it perfect you know I can guarantee it there were rows in my house this morning there's a smiling girl gone off at the school getting that's fine uh, but we're a normal family behind that and every every house is you know what you see isn't always the reality of things either you know we need to be kind to ourselves and, and kind to our children Do you get any stick from social media you know there's a professional girl working four hours a day easy for her uh, oh well, now Mick, I don't work four hours a day. I work way more we, than four we, hours. We a all day. know that a four-hour radio show is a lot more than four hours. Um, I look again. It's perspective. It's it's how it's interpreted. You know, um, you don't have to explain yourself to anybody. Just kind of once you're doing right by yourself and your family, I think mm. you can't go wrong. Okay. Uh, well, let's finish on those words because they're well said and they're powerful. Uh, once again, Kira Revens on Red FM, uh, weekdays, Monday to Friday. i got to get to the pod now, Mick. Let me off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you, yeah, it's Thursday, of course. Yeah, Sorry, the farmer's market. <laughs> we've been keeping you. If you want to see Kira um, up close and personal, in the flesh, as they say, it is the farmer's market. And is there big prizes? I've got a few prizes to give away today. Yes, I do. I have vouchers from Milano's. I have a uh, Jan Sport backpack from Canines as well. I tune in to find out more details from midday. Your first pod show, is it? It's my first pod. Oh, <laughs> congrats on everything. Well done. Kira Revens, uh, back in a moment. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Gork's Red FM. Coming up on 17 minutes to 11 o'clock. Our phone lines, by the way. It's nice to constantly remind people because sometimes... People don't have it written down or people can't access it easily and they're looking it up online. Uh, it's 0818-104-106. Quite simple. 0818-104-106. And if you want to text us, and this is SMS or WhatsApp, you can do it on 0868-104-106. 0868-104-106. Now back to Kira, but a different Kira. Good morning, Kira. Good morning. Uh, now, the cost of living makes it impossible to do what you would wish to do. And, and this is the case for most families here. Yes, I, I really do believe that. Just especially in the last, say, 12 to 18 months, I am very fortunate that I have a very good job as does my partner. But it really resonated when Neil read out a message yesterday with someone saying that you can't have it all. And what I would say is I don't expect to have it all, but I do expect it to be slightly easier. Um, I pay for rent and childcare and I, I rent privately but by the time we factor in all of those things we are living on one salary not two even though we draw two in and um, that's yeah I, I, th- I think the offending line was this parents these days want their careers and they want the best of both worlds but it isn't possible sometimes yes You're trying to, the parents are trying to juggle but as Kira Evans was saying every situation is different every parent tries to do their best Everyone is just trying to get through the pandemic and everything that happens from the fallout of that for people losing jobs and adjusting to working from home and some people having to return back to the office. Yeah. Um, I just think it, it's very, it's a very foolish statement. Nobody is expecting, well, for me and my peers in terms of people who are parents that I deal with all of the time, none of us are expecting it to be magical. But when you see the closure of crashes and stuff like that and the impact of going back from, to work 
it can be very difficult. And it's just acknowledging that without feeling that we think we're entitled, because I certainly don't. I know how privileged I am in terms of all of the additional support I get, but it is hard work and and we put in the work to try to make everyone's life better, ours and our daughter. I have an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. Now, your, your situation was you were in the workforce, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, mm-hmm. and just before the pandemic, you then took a working from home job. That would have affected your career, probably earnings capacity-wise, if I'm right. Um, mm-hmm. But you did that for the sake of your child and family. So, kind of. So, when I had my daughter, I returned back to the office and I commuted. I worked about an hour from away from where I was. And I found that I didn't see my child or my partner and that wasn't something that would work for me in terms of work-life balance. So I did take a step back from my career and go, look, I'm going to work from home, which means that the same opportunities aren't available. Now, currently, I was in a very lucky position that my my job as the pandemic happened was one that could be worked from home, but it still has the... You don't make the same social structure, the social cues as you do when you're working in an office and seeing people and having that haptic feedback versus when you're on a screen talking to people. And just imagine it's really difficult and it does adversely affect people's careers. And nobody that I know is unaware that when you have a child, whether it's the dad or the mother, that you're not going to have an impact you're not going to be able to do all of the things that you could have done before because you're juggling a lot more on your plate now. Mm. But what you did, you did with your own considerations, you, you and your partner, uh, yeah. for the sake of your family. There, there's a downside to it, of course. It will affect your earning capacity. The upside is there's less uh, expensive commuting. Uh, and the real upside is that you get to spend more time with uh, the person, one of the people you love the most. Yes, absolutely. And... I would love to tell you that it was an easy decision that hands down at one, but that that's not reality. It's a what weighs more. And currently for me, it was spending more time with my family and, and getting lovely family memories. I used to work weekends and I, I moved to a job that I no longer work weekends so that I can have those times. Mm. But again, it impacts the type of jobs that you can take and your, your earning capacity. You're also spending more because you're doing more, which is a catch-22. It's a first-world problem. Yeah. But you're looking but at you, all of those. You can't make the memories unless you're there. Uh, you know, no. you, can, you can't buy memories in retrospect. Very true. And it's one of the, the key reasons. But you also have to look at, for me, I was I was very fortunate that I come that we are a two-parent family, that I could make that decision to limit the types of jobs that I took, whereas there are other people out there who have to work specific types of jobs because that's what's available to them. And they shouldn't be penalised or looked down upon because they're trying to juggle everything at once. Okay, has it been right for you, looking back in retrospect now? Yeah, it has. I, I don't have any regrets. Um, I will say that, that the decision was difficult and there was a bedding in period after a specific amount of time, but I don't regret it. But yeah. it, was, it certainly wasn't easy. And, and the memories are there to prove it? They are indeed. Okay, I hope you're taking lots of pictures. Loads and loads. <laughs> you can't blink without me taking a picture. Kira, thanks a million. Thank you. Thanks so much. Have okay. a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Anna's in line too. Hi, Anna. Hi, yeah, how are you? Very good. I'm intrigued by your situation in a, in a kind of a morbidly ironic way because you're a, chi- a qualified childcare worker 
but you can provide childcare to other children because you have to look after your own son. Can you give us the detail? Exactly. Um, so I am a qualified childcare and SNA professional. Um, and for me to actually go back to work, I obviously need to find childcare myself. Um, and the situation I found myself in, like every other parent, is it is absolutely desperate to try and find a childcare place anywhere in any crash or facility. Um, so for me, even I suppose because I have you know the qualifications in that field, that bit more is that I'm looking for getting back to work. And if there is a benefit of my son actually getting a place as well, that's great. Um, but trying to find even somewhere to get like as in that's almost like enticing to somebody like I'm trying to find childcare for my son but I'm actually a qualified childcare worker as well if you have work I'd be willing to take it on so your son is getting the very best of care but you're not getting paid for it exactly that's it and look I mean that that's my job I love my son I'm going to do that for him and 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 that's what we do and he is absolutely benefiting the most from it he has me all to himself but it's just it's it's literally that I have a few friends who are in the same boat as well who have children and we're literally all in the same boat where we have smallies of our own that aren't of preschool going age where we do need to try and find solutions for our own children before we can even return to work ourselves. Yeah, and the, if the we're cra- trying to like... The crazy thing is it's, it's costing you more to get childcare for your son than you get paid to give childcare to others. Exactly. By the time you it. take your deductions into account. Yeah, that's it. Now, some places do offer like, you know, a decent discounted rate for your children. Um, or for your child um, as a benefit of being a staff member there. But it's actually trying to find a place that has the space for him. Like I have looked out, re- like I've looked out locally. Um, I've reached out to the local childcare facilities all around my area here and have said, look, are you looking for staff at the moment? I would be interested. I can send on my CV. And if you have a place um, for my child, that would be extra yeah. beneficial. So that, um, whereas they might be looking for staff, you've then got to counter that offer if you get it by, uh, by saying to the prospective employer, uh, by the way, we come as a package. Wait, not nece- I wouldn't necessarily put that in the same email. Like, but, um, <laughs> no, 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 no. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I have been in that position where I have reached out to local facilities, um, even if they haven't been advertising for staff. And a couple of them in the area have said, yes, we are desperate for staff. We'd love to take you on but we don't have a place for your child. And is that down to insurance limitations then? Um, I'm not too sure. Um, like I have worked in a child facility where my son is. Um, I was working after Christmas and in my interview stage, I did say, look, you know, I am the primary care for my child. My son is, or my husband earns an awful lot more than me. It doesn't make sense for him to take time off work if he's sick or anything. So I had said during my interview stage that, you know, very clear, I am the primary carer. And if he's sick, that is my responsibility. And they knew this going into it. And they offered me the job. But when push came to shove a couple of weeks in and my son was desperately sick over two weeks and was, you know, when they're when they're physically getting sick, they can't go into childcare for 48 hours. Like, that's policy. I, I have to mind him. I can't go to work because I can't bring my child to work. You know, I have nowhere else to bring him. I'm not going to leave my home yeah. or in the car. <laughs> yeah. um, but when push came to shove, then they said that this no longer suited them that I was a liability, that I was unreliable. And if it continued, I would be going through disciplinary after disciplinary until I was let go. Okay. And and that would be a well-known chain in Cork City and County of childcare facilities. That's how they operate. So they're willing to let go of the staff member. Yeah, it's, it's it, but it seems to me that if there's an insurance criteria that says, that, let's say that's 20 children, 
that there are 20 children allowed to be cared for in this childcare facility. Uh, and if a primary carer brought their own child, that, that could be sort of an exception. Uh, that, um, that that insurance is I, not needed, if you like. Because I'm you, not sure, because I wouldn't be in the same room with him. I never am in the same room with ah, him. I'd okay. be in a preschool room, you see. So, like, the local facilities around me, some of them have said, well, we have a year-long waiting list, so unless you're willing to wait a year for work, we won't be able to take him. Um, and other places have said, yes, we, 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 we really want you, but we don't have a place for your son. And I've looked into private childminders in the area, and it will cost me fifteen euro an hour for my child to be minded by a childminder. And actually, there's one childminder locally who charges seventeen euro an hour. Mm. When I would get thirteen an hour. Yeah, I understand. Uh, is is this then? And it's a completely separate issue, of course. Is is, is this kind of propagating a grey and black market in the in, in in the case? I'm not just saying you're doing it or should do it, uh, but that you might find qualified SNAs and childcare workers minding their own children at home who will accept other children into their home uh, yeah. and, and offer the childcare there. Yeah, I know. I do know um, friends um, who are after going down this route with their own children and deciding to go down the route of childminding and being above board with Tusla and registering with Childminders Ireland and everything, doing everything the proper way, all the correct insurance and the whole lot. But that has been a route that they have chosen to go because it's better for them and it makes more sense for them financially. Um, you know, you need to look at the above all, you know, who, whose best interest is it for. And, and if it's not in, say, a child, or a child care worker's best interest to return to work where they're earning less and they're, you know, underappreciated, overworked, uh, you know, bogged down with paperwork, the responsibilities. Like, it's hard work. It is really hard work. But, you know, for childcare workers who are in the area, we love what we do. Mm. Um, but, of course, you're, you're also bound by geographics. You're, you're also bound by how far you can travel to make exactly, any place yeah. that would take you and your child viable as well. That's it, yeah. I mean, I, you could apply left, right and centre halfway across Cork for jobs and you would be offered a job by the end of the day nearly because you know that they're crying out for workers but you need to look at it logically like how far realistically can I drive to work if I'm dropping to a childminder how far am I willing to go in order to work in the facility um, mm. so it is tough but like that like I mentioned you know in, in my particular circumstance I can't get back into the workforce because yep. I can't find a childminding place myself yeah. so you're a qualified childcare worker who cannot get into the workplace because you need to mind your own child Exactly. I have my own children to look after, like, or my own son to look after, exactly. you know. All right, Anna. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Good morning. And uh, we're getting text, some texts on it and lots of texts, uh, to be fair, on the VAT issue and on our first interview between 9 and 10 this morning with Ricky, and I'll do some of them next. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Coming up on two minutes to 11 o'clock and news is on the way at the top of the hour. First tour interview with uh, Ricky O'Donovan. Uh, many, many texts of support for Ricky and congratulating him on his bravery coming in. Uh, hi Mick, well done to Ricky. I wish him, his family and his mam all the best for the future. There's always hope in life. A day at a time, says Mary Jane. Sorry, can't go on air, but that COVID lockdown obviously drove many young people to drug abuse. Never again should they be subjected to any lockdown by the shambles of a government. All they, uh, all they cause is upset to people. 
especially these days with the cost of living, fuel increases and now the VAT increase tonight. They're not, nothing short of a disgrace. Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Greens. I had a lot of dealings with Ricky over the years as a prison officer. I knew Ricky in his heyday, as they say. He was hard work. I'm happy to see he's doing well and wish him every success for the future. Welcome back, Mick. Great to hear you. That Ricky, what can I say? Only all the very best. You did it, and thank God for that, Ricky. My heart goes out to anyone on the slippery slope, Mick, says Marie from Tlan. Yet again, another ex, uh, addict, ex-drug addict and criminal being held up as inspirational, tiptoe around the pain and hurt he's caused everyone in his life, and focus on how proud he is of himself now. Best of luck to him. But I hope to be an inspiration to my children by working hard and always being there for them. Uh, I guess that story wouldn't generate many likes and shares, though. Uh, yeah, that's uh, going to cause a bit of polarised reaction, but you're uh, you're welcome to your comment and happy to read it out. Uh, on the VAT issue, well, it says a texture. all of you complaining about the VAT increase should be ashamed of yourselves. Have ye no compassion? Those poor TGs won't be able to get a well-deserved pay rise without the increase. The poor souls are only on a pittance and you want to deny them a small increase for shame, says Pat. You can contact the programme by phone on 0818 and by text or WhatsApp on 0868 Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Nine minutes past 11. This is Mick Mulcahy in for Neil and Jim Ahern joins me on line one. Good morning, Jim. How are you, boy? I'm good. Now, the government doesn't have much respect for the stay-at-home mom, would be your contention. I, I don't think it has. And I, I, my, my concern is that the Constitution is going to be changed in the next 68 weeks there. In what way? Um, um, I think they're taking Article 41 out of it. They're not they're taking over, but they're going to redesign what it says. And I think at the moment it just says that the woman is the, the keyhole, you know, the, the most important person in the family, and she's so important to the state and all that. But... If we look at how long that's in the Constitution... and Yeah, but it's, know, not, it's not going to change, Jim. It's up for change. And and, and, well, that, and that's what the purpose of programmes like the, the, this is, to, to generate debate and get people thinking about which way they'll vote. Well, the Constitution is coming. We are going to be voting on it. It's just, it's just how they're going to word it. Are they going to try and explain to you why you should change it, but they want it changed. Um, my, my problem is, as it stands, the government don't even respect the women of Ireland, especially the stay-at-home women that decide to raise kids. Uh, we don't even pay them for that thing, you know. They, it's all free. That's wrong, you know. Um, and even when even when a woman comes to sixty six, and she stayed at home, whether she was minding her kids and now her grandkids, she's not even entitled to the state pension, you know, which is horrendous. Okay. The, the um, are you sure about that? If she's if she stayed at home for her entire life, if she if she reaches sixty six and her husband is still working. She's ah. considered a dependent on the husband since, so she still has no rights. Okay, That's, you can ask. You can ask that. Is I know someone lately that this has happened to. Even even if she's I, worked earlier in life before getting married and having kids and and had contributed uh, contributions to, towards the state pension, maybe, still get nothing as a dependent. No, no, no. I didn't say that. Maybe if she was contributing <laughs> coming through life, she, things change. But as it yeah, stands. Okay. If you're in the Constitution and you're recognised by the state in the Constitution as a woman, stay at home, and the Constitution states that you are a valued person in the community, and the state is built around you, when you get to 66, if your husband is working and he's earning probably over 500 euros a week or something because they'd be means-tested, you are not entitled to the state pension. That's how much respect we have for the women of this country. 
But on the on the flip That's side cool. of that, the, the the state does give. Well, you know, when you look at other comparative rates in the European Union, they do give fairly generous children's allowance payments. We do, but we're overall it's in the state that's very expensive. And poverty, it's worthless. So nobody has any money left over on Friday. For God's sake, it's just, you couldn't you couldn't give us what to give uh, to people in Poland and expect to keep a kid on it. So that wouldn't work. Mm. We're overtaxed. We're over. We're overtaxed on everything. But either way, no. Look, my 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 but my my. I I, I, don't, I don't have the specifics of the proposed constitutional change in front of me, but the generics of it are, uh, in in your opinion, that they're they're trying to absolve themselves of their historic lack of respect for the women who who are homemaking and minding children, uh, and creating safe environments for the children and not going to work. That's exactly how I see it. No, I haven't seen their wording of it yet. They seem to be hiding it for some reason. I suppose the longer they hide it, the less time we have to debate it and go through it. But um, I'll certainly have a look at it as it comes closer to the date, you know, and see what they're trying to run away from. Yeah, you know, and I think, I think we should be paying money back to the mothers that never got paid for staying at home. I think we've... I mean, Gareth Fitzgerald first turned around and said that he wanted to pay the stay-at-home mother. And that fell by the... Look how long ago that is. This is how long they know it's a problem. Yeah, uh, and of course, and 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 Kenny said it is is morally unjust to tax a person's home, but look where we are now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so that that's my 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 yeah. my feeling on that. We'll see how it goes, and I suppose we'll be debating this a lot more as we get closer to the date. Um, did, did you want to say something on the constitution, uh, constitution, uh, constituency changes? I beg your pardon. Well, yeah, I mean, they're interesting, and I suppose some of those things are needed. But my, my big problem there, again, is we take, we take the last election, 2020, the SNAP election. Um, I think with 62.5% turnout of, uh, on that, you know, and that would be only people that are registered to vote. So in reality, I suppose there might only have been 50% of uh, people that, are, that, that are, are aged of voting that didn't vote. And I think it would have made more sense to, um, to make compulsory voting a part of our voting system as opposed to even doing the consistency changes. There's no point in uh, bringing in more politicians when you're only going to have 62% of the population voting. You're only diluting the problem. Uh, you'll have more. You'll have more. You get the likes of Simon Coveney. I think he only got 12% in the last election. Or was it 16? Actually, 16, I think he got. Um, and he still, he still got voted in, you know? Well, that's the joys of proportional representation. You, you, you may not get elected on the first count, but even if it's the ninth count... You oh, are deemed that. to be elected. I know that, I know that. Listen, we've got three of the top politicians in South Central, you know, between Michal Mert and Simon Courtney and McGrath, you know, in, in, in government. We should be having a lot more done for Cork. We can't get any better than that, you know? Yeah, but, but what, what are so we, we not getting done for Cork? We have an event centre that's flying up, isn't it? It's flying up. You can go down and sit down there tonight if you want, and maybe someone we could own and play a guitar there. Yeah, the flagship project, of course, is the John Kettle Interchange, and that's moving along a pace, and it's, it's really, really beneficial. That's good. That's South Side again. Great job for the South Side. I don't see too much stuff going up the North Side. I suppose we don't have the the representation in Cock North Central, you know? You don't have the flat ground. That's going to be the biggest challenge. But uh, I, I would be the first one to agree with you. The North Ring Road compared to the South Ring Road is a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. Um, and there's just, just this total lack of investment in the North Side. Um, you, you take you take even up around uh, Fairfield Green up top of Farnley there. So there's nothing done there since the 60s, you know? Absolutely nothing. So, you I mean, it's obvious it's not happening up there. And, you know, if you come to the south side, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful out there now. We're getting the new road down to Carrigaline. Fantastic. All that's needed. 
But the north side in general is just forgotten about. And that's down to our politicians that have been elected. McBarry there, so all he talks about is rubbish and he's not worried about getting investment in the north side. He just on the bandwagon every time talking rubbish, you know? Yeah, well, what would be good for the north side? I, I would start with the, the, the north ring road. If it has to be a new one and it has to be overpasses, I mean, that Ballyvalan cross is, is a joke. That, that, that needs to be an overpass. But then you're feeding into Blackpool and, and all of the traffic restrictions there with traffic lights and everything. On the other way, if you're going the other way, you're feeding into Mayfield, which is a bottleneck uh, at the top of Mayfield Hill. So what's the solution? Well, I suppose, in, in fairness now to the government, again, we have the, the rail networks, just $35 billion being invested in the rail networks coming into uh, from Mallow to Cork and down, to, down around the areas that's now started. Um, so that's going to make a big difference in the city because they will be stopping the train in Blackpool and probably in Blarney and stuff like that. So that's going to make a huge difference to the north side. Um, it'd be nice to see what the plans are on that. But that's up and running. The, the company that's doing it is in from England and they're, they're based and they've set up. These, they've got guys in Cork up and running on this. Yeah, so that's, that's going to take years, of course. But, it, it, you know, the, that train will serve the lower-lying areas of the north side, you know, the Blackpools and the Blarneys, etc. It's a San Francisco-style yeah. tram, hill tram system you need for the rest of the north side. For the north side? Well, I suppose we set settle for the... Probably, I don't know. Yeah, I suppose. Look, we will start with the black pools and the, the lower sides, and we look at right up the top of the hills. But we need yeah, even even a bit more, a few pound more up in the north side to get parks properly done, and you know that would all help. You know, yeah, Jim, the small ju- stuff. And that's a council thing, but you know. Stay with me a moment there, and I just want you to have a listen to this. This is Simon Coveney and Jerry Bottomer uh, from yesterday on the constituencies and changes within. I think um, what's happened is both necessary and appropriate in Cork. You know, we've seen uh, strong population growth. Um, uh, the National Development Plan and the National Spatial Strategy sees Cork as the fastest growing urban, urban population in the country uh, for the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, and that's got to be reflected in the doll as well in terms of representation. Uh, and of course, there's a constitution requirement to make sure that, that there are sufficient numbers of, uh, of TDs representing um, uh, growing areas in, in population terms. So, I mean, from my perspective, in terms of my own constituency, you, you know, it's, it's got a very familiar look to it. Um, the, uh, the river divides the city now, uh, north and south, in terms of north central and south central. It's got an extra seat, uh, reflecting a, uh, an increased population. So, I mean, all of that, I think, is positive for Cork in terms of representation in the Dáil. Yeah, but I suppose most, more particularly, it was a five-seater, went down to four-seater, as Jerry Butler knows only too well, yeah. back up to a five-seater. So is there an opportunity for you to get that, back that seat, or is there an opportunity oh, yeah, I mean, for we'll Sinn Féin? I mean, we'll be targeting two seats out of five in Cork South Central, no question. Uh, I would be that second candidate. <laughs> and and uh, Bishop Stone is back. Jerry's good. Yeah, we're hearing, hearing fighting talk from Jerry, which is what is exactly what we want. You know, there's there's a lot of ambition in this party in Cork, um, uh, and uh, certainly that'll be a target seat for us. Making a bit of sense there, but uh, I feel for some of the politicians who've been reduced into three seaters, because I think Jim that 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 kind of favours the larger parties, doesn't it? Well, it does, but again, I, I, I'm more concerned about... He's on about uh, representation. Like, if you've got 38% of the uh, voting population that doesn't bother voting, right? I mean, that's a big number in our, in our country that feels as if they, they don't want to vote, they feel they're not representative, they, they feel it's not working for them. Like, if we bought in and, and it was compulsory voting, most of the sitting politicians right now would be voted out. They wouldn't get a look in. 
And this is what they're afraid of. And he's on, you heard what he said, we want more representation, represent people. You must help people. You must vote. It should be compulsory. And then we'd have real politics. Um, you mightn't get but would you have real like politics? Would you, would you? Because the 38% would probably protest vote against the powers that be. They'd probably vote in a load of independents. That may, that may be so. But I'd, I'd ask you, we've, I think we've something like 18 politicians in Cork between North, South, East and West. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a five wars we have. But like, could you name them all? Or could anybody come on the, t- the radio this morning and name them? I, I, even we say outside of Cork, the only one that we ever even hear of is, um, is, is Michael Collins. He's the only guy that makes noise above him to die. Like, he's the only one who would continuously, his name would keep repeating and say, oh, that guy's good, or, you know. Or than that, very, very few people would know anyone outside of the local guy. And that's, that's shameful that our politicians aren't springing to your mind. They're doing so little that are not coming into your mind. Mm. That's not good politics. Okay, That's and not good they, representation. But they, they probably won't go to the country to change the constitution to make the number of people represented per TD larger. Because I think that the majority of people who vote on that would vote for, you know, the last thing we need is more politicians. So they seem to be happy to... I, I, you know what I was wondering today is completely stupid. Uh, where, where are they going to put the seats? They're going to have to... <laughs> I suppose some of them are acting like babies. They can sit in each other's laps. So I don't know. <laughs> Thanks a million, Jim. Good luck. Good luck. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, let's go to line three and John. Hi, John. Hello, Mick. Good morning. Uh, you, you're going to say TDs are a waste of time, are you? Well, I wouldn't put it quite that way, but I, I'm struggling to see what is the point of them, really. I mean, they don't represent the people who put them there. Their loyalty is to the party. They'll do what the party whip tells them to do. You might as well have stuffed dummies in the bloody seats. There's three men running this country, Michal Martin, Baratkar and Damon Ryan. That's, they're the ones who are running the country. The rest are only, um, they're just yes-men. They just do what they're told. Yeah, so well, when you, you know, 20, they're, they're 200, they, they are running the country because they're the leaders of the three main, co- uh, the three coalition serving coalition parties. But, what, but, what the but their parties the are run by the whip. I know, but what's the function of the TD? So to that's f- my point. To if fairly represent the country, if you're three men running the country, what is the function of the TD? Okay, uh, I'm, I'm trying to answer this half factually and, and maybe with a little bit of tongue in cheek. Um, to try to fairly represent the wishes and needs and demands of their constituents to a system that uh, probably won't react to it. That's all poppycock, because they'll just do the part of the party line. That's, that, that's my point. They're representing no one. They'll just comply with the party line. And anyway, a lot of it is self-promotion, to themselves they're serving. Mm. But apart from that, even a TD who tries his best will have to fall in with the party line. On the other hand, you have people like Michael Collins in West Cork, as the previous caller there was mentioning. He's a man who is representing people, but sure, he'll get nowhere because he has no power. But he, he will the, get re-elected. The, all, the, all the calls are made by the three dictators. That's my point. We all are the ever at Eamon Ryan, you're saying. Yeah, they'll determine party policy and all the other stuffed dummies then will just vote yes, yes, yes. So who are they serving in the end? 
So we're, we're serving the party. Not we're, the we're looking at Cork North Central going from four to five TDs. W- would you say, why do we need five? Let's see what four can do for one more turn. Listen to me. There's the school up near me here before five held a protest the other day. And you had four TDs at the protest. And what could they do? Well, who were they protesting against? Why didn't they go and do something and be effective? So let's see now what before five TDs come on the scene. Let's see what four can do. And it would be very little I can tell you that. Tell me about that crash situation. Well, you've had it all week there. So with Neil Pendle, I, I know, but I haven't been here. Well, ask someone in the studio, they'll tell you. All <laughs> right, OK. OK. All right. All right, Mick. John, thanks, Mick. Well, listen, listen, you're a good, I like to hear you, you're a good standing. <laughs> and I'm not buttering you up now, but you're effective, you know. Oh, That's thanks. the point, you see, to be effective. Talk, talk, talk is no good. It's to do. That's the thing. Yeah. All right, Mick. Can, no, can I give you a song that you, you might enjoy listening to? All right, go on. It was written by a guy up in the Aran Islands. It, uh, it's uh, it's very well delivered by Christy Moore, who I'm sure you'll know. Uh, oh, so yeah, yeah. Get, get someone to stream it for you. Look it up yourself. Uh, if if you have yeah. Spotify, you can listen to yourself. It's called yeah. Lingo Politico. Lingo oh, yes. Politico I, I'm by Christy Moore. With that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. They got the ball and the goal and the mm. army and the train and the gravy and the train, isn't it? And they're trying to sell us water and it's pissing down with rain. Thanks a million, Jim. Right. Or John, yeah. thank you. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Getting close to half eleven on this Thursday morning, the last day of August. On line two, we have Michael. Morning, Michael. Hi, I'm Neil. I was just going to say to you, I said the TDs are elected by the constituents, but they have to represent the country on whatever issues arising in the country. Okay, they, they do with their vote, but with their representation, yeah, but, they need to represent their constituents. Yeah, but that represent the country. You might say it doesn't matter what county. You might say, it, it, like, if someone went from Curry to Michal Martin, he'd have to give them representation because he's, he, he's elected to the government. Yeah, so what you're saying is anyone from anywhere in the country can feel that they should be mm-hmm. represented by any politician in the country. Yeah. Then why do we have constituencies? Because, because you might say that would be the you might say where the, you might say they're getting their votes from, in a sense. They were they're getting representations in a mm-hmm. sense. But okay. you might say whatever issues arise in the country, they have to take the whole situation aboard. Okay, and that's before their collective vote, of course. And then you've got the trade offs mm-hmm. and the people missing and party policy yeah. and the whips and all that. <clears throat> Yeah, you'd have abstentions. The whole it's the same like a, a local government. Like do, you do, you, do you think, Michael, that, that the the current or as they exist now, uh, the mapping of the constituencies have uh, begun to fail people? Do they need to be changed? I say they would. Like they have to be changed from the constitution. It's, it's the place in the constitution, so it has to be done. Yeah. But, but I, I, I think, you know, when that, when that was written into the Constitution, we didn't have the digital means of communication and dissemination of information that we have today. Uh, do we really need 14 more TDs at a cost of 3 million quid? Well, you might say it's going to, it's given more representation to people. Hmm. And, and it's given us more, um, you might say, um, you, like we could change, you might say you could change party. All right, so you're saying well, you they're elected say, by their constituents but have to represent the entire country. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. They have to, because you have to, you have to look at it, you have so many councillors in the county and they take the whole situation aboard. It's not like their own consistency. They have to take the whole county. Yeah, but surely the councillors make representations to their TDs from their constituency. Yeah, they do. Surely the TDs take it to the, the elevated position of those in Cabinet. Surely there's some some you know pat on the back and uh, I was going to say brown envelopes but that doesn't happen inside inside the house it, it, I would say it's necessarily favouritism horse trading perhaps it'd be favouritism promotion like you think that you're a councillor you, you, you're only getting such a salary and you might, you're promoted up to vice lord mayor or lord mayor you get more money but isn't so. the very nature of politics the cloak and dagger of always wanting to better your own seniority and your own position, always wanting to make sure you've enough done so the voters send you back in, uh, always trying to remain as popular as you can for that four or five year time when you've got to go and knock on doors to stay on the gravy train, um, but all, you know, always trying to keep your party boss happy and always trying to get that promotion. Oh yeah, you might say it's all party politics. That's what it is. Party politics. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. You might say, we don't dictate what they do anyway. We only vote for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. We, 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 just, <laughs> we just put them in power. That's what we necessarily do. You might say, you might say we could be shouting for change till Timbuktu, but the change has to happen. Okay. You might say, between Fein left, but more seats there to roughly change to happen, or a new party left to come from the youth. Yeah. The youth will have to change, change the way the country is going. Uh, the, Billy, Connolly, um, Billy Connolly once said the, the very desire to be a politician should bar you for life from ever being one. <laughs> that oh, kind of says true. it all. Michael, yep, thank, yep. thanks a million. Right. Cheers. Uh, JP's online one. Morning, JP. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm okay. I'm good. Um, I'm better than I was. <laughs> Can we, I just want to um, emphasise a point there that Eugene brought up about ladies in the home working all their lives and that not entitled to a state pension. Uh, otherwise, they'd be means-tested to obtain one, and that goes down a kind of a laborious road. I just want to tell you, uh, uh, highlight to your listeners, a very, what I call, cruel change coming up, and people don't realise it. Um, I checked my A1 contributions of late, and I went into sort of, one of a, a lady guru, and she was absolutely excellent. She added up all my stamps from the time I worked till the time uh, 66 years of age, which I'm not yet. Is, is this and in the Black, Blackpool Revenue Office? Or did you no, do it no, over no, the phone? No, uh, no I went into it. It was actually Citizens Advice. Oh, okay. An excellent lady. But um, she, you what they do know, I don't want to get too technical. The amount of years you work as against divided into the amount of A1 contributions you make you made over that period of time, right? Mm-hmm. Is equivalent to a bar. If you have the maximum stamps, you get the maximum pension, and so far down along, your stamps reflect what you get. Are you with me? Yeah. And does that afford from 0 to 10 years, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, and obviously 30 to 40. And and is, is, is this reflected fairly for self-employed as well as PAYE workers? Well, I can only speak from the position I'm in, and I'm um, a PAYE person. Okay. So um, I, I'm only just highlighting this. It's been changed. The ready reckoner. It's like going to a room and saying, what side of radiator you want for the room? They've already, they've already a calculation doing what you're entitled to. No. But people have to be very um, cognizant of the fact that in the 1st of January 2024, it's changing. And not for the betterment of 
the person will be applying for their um their uh, it's over a ten year period and have been deducted at ten percent a year. Ah. So what I'm on what I'm getting now, if it comes in and I saw the I went back when I was highlighted to the Dahl transcripts and had a Humphreys was bringing this in on the first of January she said legislation would be in place and of course it was it was um a revenue orientated for the government. They won't delay and bring it in. And it's supposed to start in twenty twenty four and um, your A1 contributions, if you haven't the maximum contribution, you'll be down on your pension the way it is going to be calculated from next year on. And I'd just like to highlight that, Mike, on your programme, that people may not realise it. But, so, um, so the A1 contribution requirement is going to be changed and it's not going to be in your favour, it's going to be in the government's favour. Oh yeah, of course. The A1 contribution, you need 2,080 stems equals a full state pension. If you had half that, what they're bringing is you'll get half the pension. But if you had half of it at the moment, that's kind of regulated. The way it is calculated, you'll, you'll get more. And it's more sympathetic to the person that's retiring. But when it's brought in, starting in uh, 2024, Mike, you'll be down, Bob's. And, you'll be, and even coming on then after that, their pension will be reduced accordingly. Not the ones that are existing on it. But I'll start it in 2024 if I go on it. It'll be static, but it will be down from where it was last year. Okay. Are you with me? I am. Will you, will you stay with me, JP? Thank you for flagging this, and thanks to our great production team uh, for putting well, this page in front of me. The lady that took the call was excellent as well. I, put, I, just, I don't hear any unions advocating it, or like the pension age when it was um, increased. I, I, I think one lady, um, she's on the RTHR, you know, she was secretary of, uh, of SIPTO, I saw one line up when they were putting up proposing to increase the pension age. Oh, we must do something about this. Okay. Nothing done. The, 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 these, are, these are the set of reforms. And as with any proposed set of reforms, they're nuanced in, in the English language, in the prose of the English language, where some of them could be vague, okay? Uh, the, yeah. fir- the first one is maintaining the state pension at the age of 66 and entering, introducing a new, and here's the, here's the word, here's the one. Here's flexible... The one pension yeah, age it. model. Now, flexible would give you the impression that, oh, this is going to be good for me. But yeah. flexible means it can go the other way as well. Here's the yeah, second one. From yeah. January 2024, yeah. people will have the option to continue working up until the age of 70 in, yeah. in return for a higher pension. As yeah, recommended... I I, I'm told if an extra 10 or a week over the five years will work for, or 50. An extra 10? An extra 10 over uh, for the five years. No, I'm subject to um, correction on that but uh, the, the lady that helped me or advised me when she was brilliant she said uh, I want you to walk to 70 and you get an additional 50 quid yeah. so even if you get to 50 if you get to 70 and you get 50 on you'll have walked 5 years which is a hell of a lot of contributions for a mere 50 well, I'm not dismissing yeah. No, no, because it is, an, it is an option. This isn't a draconian measure. And I, I, I'm fully aware that some people want and really, really desire to work on uh, and, and not to go into retirement until they're 68, 69, 70. That's fine, too. Here, here's, here's, here's the next one. Moving to a total contributions approach. There's your point. That's the one. That's the one. For calculation of individual pensions entitlements on a phased basis over 10 years. Over 10 years starting yeah. in January 2024. So does that mean it's the slippery slope now for 10 years for people of your age and maybe 10 years younger? Yeah, uh, you're, uh, you're, on, you're on paid credited contributions before. I'm not, gonna, I'm not a goal on this now. I'm only a layperson, but I'm good on the pick-up. 
the total contribution approach starts from the 1st of January. And just supposing I was on a pension of just say 200 euro a week, uh, or, well, it would say 200, uh, and that's what is now. My understanding that will be 180 when I get it, we'll say in January, because the rules have changed legislation in and to be implemented, and they won't hold back in that. So my stats of 180, we'll say. But that, I'm understanding also that won't change subject to increases in social welfare over budgets and periods of time if I survive to calm yeah, down. Yeah. That's number one. But okay. the next person coming on at 66 next year, they'll be hit here at 180 less. That's my understanding. Okay. So it's a bit three down along. So the person 10 years time will live. And that's my understanding. No, it might be, I, I don't, uh, she said my pension would be 225.50 and if they do it this way, it will be 123.40. That's and that's the ten-year break, you know. But it'll go. It'll be two twenty, two twenty-five now. We'll say, Mike. Less. I think there's the difference of what it would be, what it is now, and what it would be. It's ten percent of that, right? But for anyone coming on stream, and they're saying work on. I mean, people have no problem paying pensions if they give them a break. To the USC, you know what I mean? Yeah, one, one cohort of the of the working um, people that they are going to give a break to is long term carers. So there's positives in here as well. If you're a long oh, yeah. long term carer, this will be introduced from January 24. For the first time, uh, if you have to give up work over a long duration to look after a loved one, uh, that time will be spent. Uh, that time spent caring will be recognised in the pension system. Recognised, but not as class one contributions, I would imagine. Um, oh no, no, I, I, and um, I, you're, you're dead right there, everyone. But it's the way they're doing it. Look, they're taking and carers deserve everything they get, but. The, the cohort of people that would be working, and now they're not. They are working, working extremely hard. I'm not taking. I, I'm not dividing council job. They yeah. deserve everything they get. Here's, here's one. Is, here's one I don't yeah. understand. The Department of Enterprise, Trade, and Employment will introduce measures that allow, but do not compel, an employee to stay in employment until the state pension age. Does that mean you can't be fired or something? Rita, run that by me again. The Sorry. Department of Enterprise, Trade, and Employment will introduce measures that allow, but do not compel an employee to stay in employment until the state pension age. Sure, we're all allowed to stay in employment until the state pension age, aren't we? I don't understand that one. Here's, here's another one. You're going to get access to your PSI contribution statement in a manner that will enable you to understand your entitlements. Thanks very much. Uh, the long well, you term... Can, you, can actually, you can actually get that limit for cutting costs. No problem. You can get that straight away. You can go on online, look for your PLSI statement. If you register for social welfare and have the card, they'll know it, they'll send you a password. I, I, I do it, you know, I was checking mine. So you can do... That's not a big issue, you know, mm-hmm. but then again. But the, the point I make is, um, uh, her friend above and Kevin was very impressed with the, way the new changes are coming. He was an ex-minister for agriculture. I can't put my finger on the pulse now for his name, but... Uh, he um he really started, but like if you delve into it, it's it's not it's not good for the the person. Like I I I'm, I'm delighted carers are being recognised and only rightly so. Yeah. But I'm just thinking uh, we said the two individual uh, portfolios. If you take it on the work on, if he the only way you get a state pension in my books now, starting next year, on issue full forty years contribute pension at 52 years. Yeah, and no. the, the, the final the final commitment here uh, recognises 40, because some people started work at, at 15, 16 years of age and would be quite young with 40 years done. Um, a commitment to well, explore... They won't, won't recognise them under 16. 
You know, if you worked at 15, you played yeah. near one country. You yeah. only recognised from 16 onwards. But, yeah, uh, they, they, this, this will be a small cohort, but they're giving a commitment to explore the design. Explore... We look at. We'll have a meeting about having a meeting. Um, yeah, we'll have a we'll ex- meeting. We'll, 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 meeting. we'll explore the design of a scheme. <laughs> we'll we'll explore the design of a scheme that would modify the current payment for sixty-five-year-olds to provide a benefit payment for people who, following a long working life, forty years or more, are not in a position to remain working into their early sixties. Um, that that'll take a bit of uh, yeah. calculation as to what the nuance means. You, 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 you can remember there, Mike, when they were uh, in, uh, going to increase the age to 66, which it is now, and they give you a premium payment, what's called a CE payment, a community employment scheme payment, equivalent of, of 203 euro a week or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that was just dressing it up as something else, wasn't it? No, they were calling it the dole, so a dole were, payment. Were you paying a D stamp or an A stamp? I was paying an A stamp. Okay. Uh, I paid an A stamp, yeah. Um, but like it's it's the big thing is Mike and I, I'm glad I got the chance to go on here and I appreciate it. The, the calculation rule is being changed and it's not. And does anyone know about it? You yeah, know what well, I mean? Well, thank you for bringing it to our attention because people could be down ten percent. Yeah, well, it's it's not ten. It's ten percent of the difference. What will be in ten years' time? Yeah, I could be wrong in that. Uh, that, that was a person throwing their or into my calculations. I don't think. Going to go from a said two hundred down to one eighty straight away, but it's the difference what to be in ten years' time today as against what you're getting today, and what you're getting today will be down to. Uh, and, and there's no pension. Today. There's no pension increase linked to index linked for inflation going to cover that. Oh no, no, like um, well, are they giving the budget for pensions? They give it, you know, for retirees and and only rightly so because okay. I love emphasising uh, one thing: contributory. Uh, like you know, you're on a pension, Johnny might say, yeah, contributory. And what it stands for, quite quite clearly, I contributed to it. I'm only getting my own back. Okay. How how, how does it feel looking down the barrel of retirement on the state pension in, in a year or so? I will. Uh, <laughs> I um. I for anyone relying on it, it will be difficult. That's yeah. all I'll say. You know what I mean? Um, for anyone relying on it, totally, it has to be accepted. Especially if the is going up tomorrow. Um. And the whole, the whole and is it going up again before Christmas? Oh, we'll be back to two euros a litre before Christmas, I think. Yeah, so I think you actually mentioned that. So. JP, yeah, thanks. I think we'll know. Many thanks for your time, and I appreciate it. God bless. Th- thanks, thanks a million, JP. Bye-bye. My appreciation to Tom O'Connell, who's been holding uh, for a while, and I'll be with Tom in a moment. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818 104 106. Twelve and a half minutes to midday. Thanks for holding, Tom O'Connell, and good morning to you. Morning, yeah. Just uh, touching on the TD thing there. That, uh, mm-hmm. I was uh, telling your research, your research about uh, a good number of years ago. No, my brother, my late brother, Gavin Musselton, was coming out of uh, Musgrave Park after the game. Was that Councillor Con O'Connell? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. But he wouldn't have been at the time, I say, this is before I was elected to uh, the corporation as it was then. But um, a few guys that I knew through rugby were, were chatting and they called them over and they introduced them to this case up called um, Dick Spring. Mm-hmm. Who was, uh, I think he was t- tarnished at the time. He was tarnished, yeah. I think he was the leader of the Labour Party. Yeah, but uh, at that particular time he was anyway, so... 
And so my brother were chatting first, they were chatting rugby first, like, and then my brother was introduced to him as a social and community worker, which is what he would have been his whole life. And um, it's kind of come to the end of the conversation, and Dick Spring threw away a remark to my brother. He said, look, if you never need any help, he said, don't hesitate to contact me. Okay. So my brother would have had a number of cases pending at the time now with people looking for houses or people in dire straits for one reason or another. But he had one particularly bad one. So he said to Dick Spring, well, no, he said, I choose say it, he said. And he outlined the case. Oh, said Dick Spring, he said, he said, you'll be better off now, he said, seeing the local TD about that. So my brother immediately said, oh, I'm very sorry, he said. He said, I apologise, he said. I thought, he said, that you were elected to Darlene. And Dick Spring kind of gave him a confused look and said, I am. Well, he said, yeah, he said, I was elected to Darlene. Therefore, he said, you became the TD, he said, of Darlene. And Dick Spring said, that's right. He said, my TD, he said, everybody's TD. He said, don't be pushing me towards the constituency thing at all, he said. Ooh. He said, you made me enough when I asked you a question. He said, you're just out of proving your work. You made me a platitude and then rebuffed my offer, more particularly. And he walked away from, he walked away from, um, my brother walked away from him. But what I, what I will tell you is now, I heard the man's name being mentioned there a while ago. Yeah, because we, had, we had Michael on Mike, talking about it. It was new to me Michael that the TD, TD represents all of the country. Hmm? It, we had, well, we had a... duty bound to represent. duty bound to represent you. But see, people are like sheep. They they think they have to go to Mayhar Martin's constituency because he's in their locality. They don't. I've seen people when Jonathan O'Brien was a was serving as a as a TD for Shunkin. I've seen people from Ballincollig along to his office, and they were greeted warmly, and their cases were dealt with. They're always, not just. Known again, but always. Okay, so but the, the reason they run clinics in their constituencies is because those are the people who are legally entitled to vote for them. So it's a self-preservation that's why, that's exercise. The, that's why the constituencies and the wall system was introduced first day. To make the stronger party stronger. And to keep, to keep down the... That's why my brother, my brother kind of struggles so hard, struggles so hard to finally get elected. To, to Cox City Council because he was fighting the likes of the likes of takers like 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 Sean Martin and them who had a Finnafall banner out there. They were doing nothing and they were doing nothing to this day. Did you call them? Did you say clicker or ticko? E- either way, that can't be allowed. I don't know what you said. I, I'm not sure what I said. I was there. Okay, well, but you know. His work. His work has been proved anywhere by Noonan Road and not at the moment. It, it's, the not, it's, just, it's, just not, it's just not fair to have personal attacks. We, look, we can have a chat and um, att- attack the work that somebody yeah, yeah, does, but yeah, not, not, yeah, maybe, not call them yeah, names I apologize, if you can. I apologize for that. Right. Yeah, yeah that's, that slipped out. No problem. Um, Go on. It might, it, might be, it might be what I think, but I shouldn't say it. <laughs> um, there you go again. Yeah, but the, the, the likes of himself and... What do you mean? I've proved I worked with the people above noon on board. They don't give a fig about them. They couldn't care less about them. Mm-hmm. 
they're more interested, but Paddy Dini is more interested in running the campaign book name, name a bridge, Charlie so, the Bogman Bridge. So proportional representation was brought in to protect the bigger parties, was it? So of course it was. I yeah. thought it was brought in to represent an accurate and, fl- and fair reflection of every single vote. No, one time, no, no, because you see, one time living, living, no matter where you lived in the city, you could vote for who you liked when you were standing in local elections or in general elections. So, like, if you were living in Greenmount, you could vote for something above and above and ground up or vice versa. That's before the war systems were brought in. Do you want to make a final I point, Tom? Because uh, I need to get to some text before we close the programme. Well, my, 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 my point is that my point, my point is, is just that every TD is duty bound to answer anybody that requests their help. Okay, so I, I, I certainly to, have more clarity on that now than I enter the programme with, but uh, it's, good, it's good to be accurate. Uh, thanks a million, Tom. We leave Thank it there. I'm, I'm, I'm conscious that people take big effort to text the programme. I want to get to some of them. Uh, on the subject of accuracy, Mick, it's important to be accurate. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say a woman's place is in the home. Article 41 simply protects a woman's place within the home and elevates the family above the state as the preeminent societal group. Article 41 provides women constitutional protections, protections denied to men. Why is repealing this protection deemed to be a positive blow for women? That's a kind of a misnomer. It's a positive blow. Um, furthermore, our politicians publicise this referendum as some sort of vote on the place of women in society, yet these same politicians cannot define what a woman is, says uh, Richie and Toker, I'm sure, and I would like to get involved in maybe a discussion uh, around the, uh, the finesse of the uh, text and, um, and maybe hear from both sides uh, but let's hear what we're voting on first. Uh, Kira Revens, one of the breath of, uh, fresh, breath of fresh air in the afternoon, says Paul. Hi, make of these women who say both partners have to work because of money reasons are going on more than one holiday abroad, driving an SUV and living in a new house. They are absolute liars. Let's be real. Cork Airport was full of these women during the summer. Now they're complaining they can't afford the basics. Uh, thanks, Mick. And I've had a few requests to play this. Uh, Mick, I heard this uh, a year ago uh, when you were in standing in for Neil, and I'd love to hear it again. You mentioned it on the programme. It's Christy Moore and Lingo Politico to play us out. The great Christy Moore and Lingo Politico. My thanks to uh, Kevin, to Claire and to Lee, the show's producer today, and uh, we have news at 12 on the way. For more Red FM podcasts, Go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.